What do you believe? What do you believe? Hello, friends. I'm Kent Lapp, and welcome to this episode of the KLP, where we feature conversations designed to spark change, bring hope, and help you navigate the tricky bits in life. We are particularly interested in exploring what folks who are successful in the field believe are building and enjoy. And we're simply using genuine, engaged, everyday conversations to mine for gold in these areas. Today on the show, we've got the one and only Jamie Free. Jamie is an award-winning nutrition coach, which he offers through his company, 27 Health and Wellness. You can get in touch with him there at www.27health.com. He's also the co-owner of CrossFit Trivium, a notable CrossFit gym in the greater Nashville area, where really a number of elite and world-class CrossFit athletes have trained and do train. He's worked with clients in the in Major League Baseball, the NFL, NHL, NBA, and the UFC. He is also an accomplished CrossFit competitor himself. And in our conversation, we talk a lot about nutrition, particularly um, high-fat, low-carb, or vice versa. Uh, CrossFit as a sport and fitness regimen, some of the athletes he's worked with, and a whole bunch more. If I could be now so bold as to ask you for two things. One, would you leave a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or subscribe on YouTube? We appreciate that so much. That really helps. And number two, would you tell a buddy about our podcast? That would really help spread the word. Thank you. And now I give you my conversation with Jamie Free. Please enjoy. Jamie Free, welcome to the podcast, man. Appreciate you having me. Yeah, thanks for coming by. I'm stoked about this. Yeah. Let's pick up on where we uh, left off a little bit before we turn the mics on. You are competing in CrossFit. You're hoping to be at the games this year, maybe next year. You're about to be 40. That puts you in that 40 to 44 category. Yes, so there's some domination on the horizon. I can sense it already. I just hope that I can make it, honestly. Um, I have my first, uh, our first child is being born in July. So, Oh, congratulations. Um, yeah, it's going to be, we'll see what training looks like after that. But yes. Yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely a goal. Yeah. Well, the sleep might be the biggest trick there. Yeah. My wife and I live on opposite schedules in terms of sleep. So oh, I yeah? like sleep from like, eight to three thirty and then she's like pretty much up from like two thirty or up till two thirty and then yeah. Because she, of her job or because she likes to be up during the night? She likes to watch murder shows and that worries me. Okay. So <laughs> when I'm waking up to, you know, do whatever and I'm looking at the, the screen, it's like this is how she killed her, her husband. I'm like Yeah. What yeah, are you watching? exactly. There, yeah. yeah, I think you're probably safe, dude. I mean, look at that. I mean, I think you're probably. I've been seeing your wife, but I think you're probably safe. She's <laughs> she's way better CrossFitter than I was. Oh, really? Yeah. So she's into it as well. She was. She did grid league. So, okay. Yeah. Did you meet in CrossFit, or how did you guys meet? Through CrossFit. Okay. Um, kind of indirectly through a acquaintance. She was a, a flight attendant for Delta. Okay. Um, and she laid over in Nashville a bunch, and she was looking for a gym, and my buddy sent her my way, and. No kidding. Six years later, we're no kidding. Going into Very four cool. years of marriage. Congratulations. Appreciate that. By the way, is this um, what is your uh, Kobe? Can you pull up? But just Google Jamie Free or James Free CrossFit. His he has some stats on there. I wanted to to call out. By the way, in 2019, you were 17th in the U.S. and 32nd in the world for the Open. Yeah, for the Open. Yeah, I was 20th overall after the AGOQ, and they cut it to 10 that year. Dude. Yeah. 
That is, was, dude, that is exceptional, bro. I mean, seriously. I wish, I wish they hadn't cut it because uh, I wouldn't have to worry about making my first appearance at the games because I would have made it top 20. Because um, uh, they cut it to 10 can, that year. So and normally it would have been top 20, and 20. then you would have gone to the games yeah. in 19. Aha. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Me and another buddy of mine were kind of like all in this one group, this master's group. Uh, a bunch of old dudes just complaining about CrossFit. Um, but like, yeah, he was 18th. I was 20th and both of us didn't make it. So, oh no. Yeah, it was pretty rough. But scroll down Kobe to the bottom. So here are these stats, right? Your back squat, you have a max back squat on there at 510 pounds, yes. deadlift 635. Yes. Is that right? Yeah, that was 510 was this year. Um, so that was recent. 625 when? is my most recent, um, within the last, I would say, I think it's within the last seven months. So you hit a PR on a back squat at age 38? Yes. Dang. Yeah. How long have you been doing this? Fitness in general. I've been crossfitting for 10 years, but fitness in general, I mean, I played college football. So, you know, I was, I guess, I don't know, taught the wrong way to lift for okay. a very long time. Yeah. Uh, and then when I got into it, I started to adjust. I, I actually luckily ended up out in Sacramento, um, you know, uh, Mark Bell. He's a super trainer, the hip circles and okay. the bench, the band bench and all that stuff. And he, he helped me through a couple different things. Okay. Um, squat wise, bench wise. I don't bench much anymore. There's really no need for it in CrossFit. So, okay. We, I feel like we bench at our gym, maybe a little bit more than some gyms, not a ton. They benched today and my shoulders out, which is a bummer. I left class early today. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, there's nothing here for me today, guys. going to um, take this one off. Exactly. But the, um, the clean and jerk at 340 pounds as well. How recent was that? Um, pretty recent. Okay. I've hit it again. I've never gone over it, but I've hit it multiple okay. times. So and what do you... How, go ahead and I'll cut you off. What's the other ones? Well, I mean, there's a snatch on there at 265 pounds as well. That's, Dude, that's so much, that's man. I mean, uh, is it really? Yeah, 275 is my all-time. Um, okay, so you've so hit 275 on a snatch. That's, I mean, that's like the golden goose especially for like lanky long arm people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I have like a six, four wingspan. So I'm not your normal five eleven guy. I have really, really stupid long arms. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. So when you, um, well, how do you account for a back squat PR at age 38, which by the way, if you hit five ten, say you're at the gym, mm-hmm. what do you, do you, send an email to CrossFit and say, hey, just FYI. Like, how do they, they wouldn't know that unless you notify them, right? Everyone puts their own in. Oh, you just log in. Yeah. So you log in if if something changes. And I keep them updated. Some people don't keep them up to date. Okay. Um, I don't don't know. I'm proud of them, so I'm not going to, like, hide them. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So how do you account for that at your age? Some people would think um, that, you know, a person peaks in their 20s and you're not going to be peeing up doing a PR on a back squat at 38? I mean, I would say mobility position definitely help. If the more I can stack my spine, the better my hips are mobile, I can stand up better. So, uh, I also had some really good spotters. Um, so I would felt comfortable. Mm. We had two on the sides, one in the back. And I was like, all right, I, I can do this without dying. We're good. So you stack five. So you have just a traditional 45 pound mm-hmm. barbell. Mm-hmm. 510 pounds, so, mm-hmm. you know, 205 less the 45 on mm-hmm. each side. Stand under it, get your form right, pull it off, back up, and just go down and back up again. 
Yeah, I, I have a video. <laughs> that of is it. like a stinking bus. <laughs> yeah, I have a video of it, and uh, it actually it it felt like it took forever. Like okay, it, it was like going up in an elevator to the top floor, but uh, it actually looked pretty good, pretty fast. Yeah, well, I don't doubt it. I'd love to see the video. Um, that's just okay. What are you doing? We're just kind of. We need to come back around introducing yeah. you, but what are you doing in particular on a back squat to make sure you don't throw your back out? Um, so I try to work up as much as possible without a belt. Um, so the closer I can get to 85 to 90% without a belt, the stronger my core is going to be, the better I'm going to be able to brace myself. So, and then obviously like making sure your stance is proper, your chest is up when you're squatting, mm-hmm. um, depending on length. Now I have a very short torso and long legs, so I'm, going to squat differently than mm-hmm. someone else everyone should squat differently because we're all made differently yeah um so like the whole toes forward follow you know that and i i, I don't subscribe to that mm. so everyone's should be able to be coached it to fit them not mm-hmm. them to fit in a box mm-hmm. so okay yeah i'm asking a little bit selfishly because i put my back out three times in two months mm-hmm. and two of them were from front squatting and all it was the first time actually happened when i was picking up my two-year-old mm-hmm. at like uh like 2 a.m she crawled into our bed and i tried to sit her down and i tweaked my back and it felt like something someone cut something mm-hmm. and then twice on front squats I, I was just going too heavy too quick and yeah. so now that when it happened the third time i went to see um josh rankins mm-hmm. in brentwood josh is awesome yeah he is he was on here recently yeah, and he and he said um i need to plan on a two-month recovery so that is up may one no pain now but what you're saying about the belt, though, is I think I'm going to start doing that because while I'm in this kind of recovery period, I've not been using the belt at all. Yeah. Obviously, I need to keep my backs have some movement and everything, and I'm not going heavy on the weights. But so you don't use a belt until you're 85 or 90 percent. Yeah, and some days it's generally 80 percent. Some days it's more. It's just a matter of how I feel that day uh, okay. and what's programmed. So I follow Mayhem Athlete right now. Oh, do you? Um, yeah. So and we the Bergener Strength Program is just like we squat like every day. And I, okay. I go every other week at this point because I really, I don't need my knees to feel worn out. Yes. So I'd rather give all everything I have on the workouts rather than, you know, a bunch of strength stuff that I really yes. don't necessarily need all the time. Okay. That makes sense. Um, let's give people some context. So Jamie Free, tell, tell can you tell the listeners just a little bit about who you are and what you're doing? You're into a few things. I, I got my hands in a few things. Um, well, I'm co-owner of CrossFit Trivium with Nate Dodd. Um, Nate's been around the area for a long time. He's been competing for a long time. He's 42, 41. Um, so two masters, two old guys just running a gym, having some, having some fun. So, uh, And then I am uh, the owner of 2-7 Health and Wellness, which I've done nutrition for the past 13 years. Um, I also train youth athletes there. Uh, I'm part of CHW, which is Collective Health and Wellness, which is a corporate wellness company. Um, So we work with um, companies on proper track. So basically sleep, um, mental uh, acuity and and making sure that, you know, your head's on straight during the workday, nutrition and then workouts. So it's Mm. it's a four prong approach there. Uh, And then there's Masters Fitness Collective, which is uh, an events company that uh, started in 2019. And tell me a little bit more about Masters Fit, Fitness Collective. We talked about it before the yeah. mics were on, just a touch. Yeah, no, it's honestly, it came out of kind of like we just wanted to see our our buddies at the games, and they weren't, you know, showing us that. So there was no coverage. There was nothing there. So we decided that. If you're in Masters mm-hmm. 
and Masters is an age thing. Mm-hmm. Like you age into Masters, yep. right? So like ESPN and these other people, they weren't showing those no. guys. No. Ah. No, and you said, oh, the, I think there's yeah. people out there that want to see these guys yeah, I mean, also so, and gals. And, and the thing about it is like that's where the majority of the money in CrossFit is, 35 and up. You know, everyone that has real jobs, not trying to make money being fitness professionals, you know, so it just really comes down to 80% of the money that goes into CrossFit comes from 35 plus. So let's give them an outlet. Aha. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. So can people, so how about this year Mm -hmm. with the CrossFit games coming up in July Mm -hmm. is, can people see these masters um, competing through Masters Fitness Collective? So they'll still compete at the games. Um, but we have a competition in September over um, Labor Day weekend. Labor Day weekend. Okay. It's Labor Day. Yeah. In September, yeah. Yeah, yep. September. Um, we have a competition over that weekend. It's a three-day three, three day comp with a one-day um, team comp right before mm. it. So, it's uh, yeah, they'll all be going there and competing and hopefully winning some money. Okay. So, Masters Fitness Collective is, is a separate event. We're licensed by CrossFit. We're not part of CrossFit. I see. Okay. Yeah. I thought for a second you were saying that you provided the TV coverage for Masters athletes at the CrossFit Games. Mm, that but, was the but, original like plan. Okay. And then COVID happened. So okay. the pandemic shut down Masters and Teens for the, the, the year. Gotcha. And us and then Pitt Ranch threw the Teens, one, teens event and we threw the Masters event. I see. Yeah. Okay. Um, CrossFit Trivium, it seems to me, has a reputation in the area for being a at least the ability to kind of develop elite athletes. Is this always, this always kind of a a goal or kind of something you guys had in mind? I mean, it's, it's such a small percentage of people that come to the gym that are elite athletes. Um, And most of them came to the gym elite. So it's not Mm -hmm. like, I wouldn't say that we created them. Uh, We give them a home Mm -hmm. and then they get to work out. I mean, uh, you know, it's great having them around. Uh, We really do enjoy it, but um the majority of our members are just trying to be healthy like everyone For else. For sure. And, yeah. You know, maybe make a PR when they're you yep. know, 40. Yep. They're, they're like me, man. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, but that's, that's what the majority of gyms are. Yes. Unless you have a really, really young gym. Our gym is probably mid twenties to mid forties. And that's the main group that we have. Yes. That seems pretty similar to at our gym, but man, mm-hmm. we got a couple old guys too. They're in their sixties easily. Yeah. Um, and they get after it, man. Yeah. So the um, the having some of the elite CrossFit athletes mm-hmm. come to Trivium were those just people you happen to know, or are you doing some things, or somehow creating a space there at Trivium for them to kind of for it to work for them? Well, there? we originally and Will Morad does our programming. So we had Will at the gym. Um, we gave him a home a long time ago. He's been with us a long time, and then um, Sydney Wells moved to the area, and Brooke came with her. And then when was that? That was last March. Okay. Yeah. So, and then she's like, all right, who's in the area? Will's in the area. We'll train with Will. Okay. And then Alex Smith came in town and Street Horner came into town mm-hmm. and we were like, all right, we got a bunch of serious athletes. And then John Colty came into town. So it's been, I mean, they just kind of all collided there. And then Tia and Shane are now in town. Yeah. So it's like every once in a while they'll be at the gym. They're awesome, by the way. They're like are some they? of the nicest people I've ever Are they met. as awesome as you seem? T and both Shane, they seem really nice. Super yeah. nice. Yeah. Yeah. So are you, how, how do they know? Because they're the proven fitness guy. Mm-hmm. The folks are training a lot at CrossFit East Nashville mm-hmm. too, I know. 
but sometimes they pop in at Trivium. It yeah. seems like I follow them on on Instagram. Yeah, what, what are they doing at Trivium that they can't do at East Nashville, or is <clears> it just scheduling? Or I, they have plenty of space at East Nashville, and Caleb's given them free run of the place. Which Caleb's a great dude. Um, East Nashville's a beautiful gym. Mm-hmm. Um, we're just a different home, you know. Mm-hmm. So they've been at our gym. We put on Brooks uh, Stage One last year and it was a, a spectacle it was a it was a show um but we want to support our people so mm-hmm. you know they're always welcome to come and train all together and if yep. if we have the room that's great mm-hmm. um we're actually going to about to put a rig outside um, nice. so we'll have an indoor outdoor which is really nice okay um place to lift place to you know do gymnastics whatever workouts so yeah uh, it'll be pretty good yeah what is it about crossfit that got you into it to begin with Man, um, 2012 was my first year. Uh, I was I owned a, a supplement store at the time, Max Muscle in Cool Springs, and is that a franchise? It is. Yeah. Okay. It is. I and I'm no longer a part of it anymore. So, okay. Thankfully, I, um, I mean, I assume you repped the brand pretty dang well, dude. Your freaking arms, freaking like little legs, I, man. I, I, li- I literally, <laughs> I just came from the gym, so it's, it's just the pump. Don't worry. Yeah, about I don't that. believe that it'll, for a it'll second. Deflate, no I don't believe that at all. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I mean, it was, I, I walked into a gym to support one of my athletes, Derek Robinson, um, D Rob, he's, he's like an OG. Um, and they were doing seven minutes of burpees and I was like, burpees, that's it. Really? Cause I was in bodybuilding at the time. I'm like burpees, I could do burpees. So I tried it and, um, I came out like super hot. Like the first minute I was like 27 burpees and then I finished at 83 in the seven minutes. So I almost died. Pretty sure I may have passed away and then came back because I laid on the ground for like an hour and a half afterwards. I was like, if <laughs> seven minutes can knock me on my rear end for an hour, then I need to get better at this. So then that's when it kind of started. I signed up for the open, put my score in and the rest is history. So you, okay. So you, you just straight up signed up for the open, hadn't even been doing CrossFit for any amount of time. That was my first workout. First CrossFit workout, and I was the seven-minute like, burpees. Yeah, and I've never seen a CrossFit workout program like that. That was literally as many burpees as you can do in seven minutes. It was terrible, <laughs> dude. Like, I'm, I was, I think I was like two thirty-five at the time, and just not. Yeah, in that shape. sounds rough. Yeah, We've never done awful. anything quite like that. Yeah, um, there is something about the sport. I, I think that um, I feel like some people just fall into it. Like um, I, I was listening to Frazier on Joe Rogan's podcast, and he kind of just kind of slipped into it and then fell in love with it. It just seems like something about the sport that that is common. Do you think it's because athletes like yourself, you were, you were into fitness and all this, and then you find CrossFit and it kind of has something, the, the, the variety Mm -hmm. or the intensity or what, what do you think it is that is attracting? Well, I mean, being challenged constantly is, is something that I really enjoy. Um, I, I train with people that are better than me. So I'm never like complacent. Like Mm -hmm. I train with this one guy, He's 35, so he's he's a master's, and he is an absolute unit. Like six three, can snatch two eighty, like just a just a monster. And he he pushes me every day. So mm-hmm. the the camaraderie. Um, I was a team sport guy. I played college football. Um, the community, those things kind of kept me in. Like mm-hmm. I love the workouts, and I can do them alone in my garage. But being in the gym with people everyone kind of cheering each other on. I think that's really what 
grabs people and, and keeps them there. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Yeah. And I think, too, I'm probably a good example for this because I'm not a very big dude and I'm not an exceptional athlete by any stretch of the imagination. And But I just go, you know, five days a week. Mm-hmm. And I think I heard the founder of CrossFit or some video somewhere where I believe the founder, someone was talking about, like, you do CrossFit for, for some amount of time and you're going to start to develop muscles in areas that you hadn't had muscles before. Mm-hmm. Like some of the wing stuff mm-hmm. and like, the, and, and, and like I've noticed some of that and, yeah. um, that's fun. You yeah. know, it's fun to look good, to look good, or at least to look better than you used to, you know? So well, anytime you can measure progress like that, exactly. It's, yes. It's incredibly important yes. to wanting to continue. Um, I run into that a lot with my clients. It's like, you need to see some sort of progress or they disappear. So mm-hmm. as we're moving forward, I measure in so many different ways uh, in terms of uh, metrics that uh, the, we can at least pick something that they can stick to to allow them to continue forward. Yes, yes, 100%. And mm-hmm. you touched on the community aspect of CrossFit. Mm-hmm. And um, we've had more of that in the last year than we've had. Um, and and that's, so we're really enjoying that. And part of that is my wife is joining now. So she joined awesome. like four or five months ago. She comes five days a week as well. We see each other at 1130 to 1230 and then we go separate ways. And, but if there's like an open announcement at the gym or your Friday night lights, mm-hmm. now she knows the people, I know the people. So we're hanging out there. There's, there is that community element too. That's so, it's really great. Absolutely. Which I think is just kind of built into it as well. Um, yeah, and, I mean, I think it shakes out the right people stay. The, the wrong people tend to leave. And, and by wrong people, I mean people that are more about themselves than mm-hmm. the whole, mm-hmm. uh, the group as a whole. So those people usually will fall off. And then the people who care about the community and care about the gym and want to see it succeed, they stay. Um, yeah. I mean, with COVID and everything that shut down, we shut down for only five weeks, which we were blessed. Uh, Williamson County has loose laws. So yeah, <laughs> um, loose rules. Um, but yeah, I mean, our, our whole community stayed. I mean, it was, Did you? there was no attrition. We actually went up and really, and yeah. So, I mean, after five weeks we were jamming back up at, you know, um, higher than we were. I'm happy to hear that. Our gym was shut down for more than five weeks. I don't remember how long it was, but we're Davidson, Davidson County time, yeah. and it wasn't because Evan was not willing to open the gym. Oh, he yeah. was totally open wanted to and Davidson County shut us down. And on that note, did you know that the only two things more dangerous than inactivity for COVID-19, two things are more dangerous than being inactive. Mm-hmm. One is having a organ transplant mm-hmm. and the other is an excess, like being up in years, like being old. Mm-hmm. Those are the two things that are more dangerous than being inactive and the gyms were shut down. So yeah. could you take a minute and explain that to me? Um, I don't know, understand the <laughs> rationale, so I really can't explain that at all. Um, it you know. just doesn't make sense, at least at face value. I well, I mean, you think about it, you look at the people that you've known that have gotten it, that are fit. Like, I got it and over Thanksgiving, and I only knew because I couldn't smell. Okay. Like, that was it. I actually won a qualifier that weekend. So it's not like it, it doesn't affect you the same way it does for people who either smoke you know, have poor eating habits, um, you know, just poor habits in general, lifestyle mm-hmm. habits. Mm-hmm. Um, those are going to be the people that are affected the most. But honestly, like you can't post anything like that on the internet because I got I, I reposted something from one of my old clients who's now a nutritionist and I got attacked. They're like, Oh, you're a fat shamer. I'm like, 
Oh man, that's not even what I said. Here we go. Yeah, internet is is like the wild west. It is the wild west. It's a very strange thing to be encountering that, and and it's um, it is uh, it's clear. I think between like people having their feelings hurt very easily, Mm -hmm. and then censorship. There's Mm -hmm. something about those two things working together where. Yeah, you've kind of find out pretty quickly like what people are, are are okay hearing about and what they're not. It's it's like like I said, I, I have a, a daughter on the way, and I've been reading, just finished the book Coddling of the American Mind. Ooh, Jim, I've never read that one yet. It's really good. Is it? Yeah, um, it makes you. It'll, <laughs> I'm like I'm not sending her to college. Oh yeah. Yeah. No way. Not, wow. Not the institutions that that foster that kind of mentality. Okay. Um, like I've never been in a position where I've been like, Oh, I'm going to blame someone else for something I did wrong. Mm-hmm. Like that accountability itself is at, is being attacked. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. So, yep. you know, and God, I, I'm, I'm the most, I can't say anything. You can't say anything. We are middle-aged, middle to upper class white guys. Yeah. Like, right. We have no shot. Like, yeah. We can't say anything. Yeah. And, and, and I don't, I just kind of, Okay. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I, I prefer not to stir the boat, uh, stir the, the water around the boat because it just doesn't make sense. Yeah. Well, but that's not a, that's not going to lead us to good places, right? That's not going to allow us to pull from the best things out there in people's mind, you know, like that's not going to have us kind of arrive at good conclusions if we're have a large segment of the population that we're just not willing to hear from. For example, if you're just not willing to hear anything about COVID-19 that doesn't fit with the news media's narrative, well, then you are going to not have some probably worthwhile information. You may disagree with it, but it's probably worth hearing about it, right? So that makes me like kind of a little bit sad, I guess, for the future of this country or our, our culture in general, if what you said, because what you said, I understand, yeah. you know, being of this age and being white, you know, there's some things that no one wants to hear you talk about. Um, and I'm not complaining about it. Right. I'm, but it's still concerning. Yeah. It's, yeah. I mean, in 2016, I, I wrote, when I met my wife, I, I wrote a letter to our unborn child. Just and I don't know why this kind of gets me emotional, but um, it was just like telling her how the world is. Be like, hey, you're gonna have to be strong. You're gonna have to be tough. You're gonna have to be able to stand up for yourself and stand behind what you say rather than hiding behind something. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's crazy. I read it when we found out she was pregnant, and it still has nothing's changed. It's really? only gotten worse. Hmm. You know, hmm. so does. Th- why does that make you emotional when you, th- when you just even just because I can see it in your eyes when you're talking about this letter you wrote in 2016 that was five years ago? Yeah, um, we've been through a lot, like my wife and I. Um, so when we met, <clears throat> she was she was a flight attendant. Um, then she moved up and she had shoulder surgery, so I was taking care of her shoulder surgery. Then she went back to work, and one day she fell um, down the stairs and had a traumatic brain injury and oh no yeah she almost almost died on the stairs yeah it was <clears throat> sorry yeah it was it was just a, it was it was a stressful time um so two days later they, they released her under 24 hours at Vanderbilt which I'm baffled by because it was a head injury she had at least 24 if not 48 
Um, she had a, a grand mal seizure two days later and couldn't walk. So this was about three months before our, our actual wedding. So how long ago? This was going on four years. Whoa. Yeah. So yeah, man, it's uh her and I have been through a lot. We've we've been through um her not being able to walk, her being pushed around in a wheelchair and you know, it's uh we went through uh IVF process with for our child. Mm. Um so we've been through a lot. It's you know, it makes me emotional because of those things and it just matters that much to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, no, I mean, dude, that makes total sense. And I and I can see that I can kind of see the loyalty and the love, like with the way you're talking about mm-hmm. this and that dude, that's those are things, man, that we need to have in every dude mm-hmm. in America, you know, more of that. Yeah. Um, the so the accident happened, you said four years ago, about four years ago. Yeah. And then you guys are married now, right? Mm-hmm. Did you get married recently? Uh, we got married. We actually our wedding was October um, 27th of that, that year. Oh, okay. so her goal through the whole process through vestibular, um, training and things like that was to walk down the aisle. Okay. So, and she ended up doing it. Oh yeah. Yeah. And now she's crossfitting. She's still crossfitting. Um, she was a grid athlete prior to that. Um, okay. so it, yeah, she's, uh, she's amazing. Okay. Yeah. Does she have most of the mobility back and functionality or is it still she saw some like, headaches uh, okay. a lot of tightness um through her neck and shoulders but yeah okay. she's uh she's still working out she's still doing doing what she can especially okay. i mean we're six months into being being pregnant so yeah she's, she's moving as well as she can yeah, yeah. congratulations on the Appreciate child it. on the way by the way that's super exciting so excited yeah, and no, dude, those life events like that, man, it's it's so hard, you know. It's so it's so painful, and and man, and yet, you know, there's something about hardship and pain and suffering that has a way of making you a better person too, and creating yeah. some strong inner things, character, and so forth. Well, you know, you got to look at it like, how bad did was my day really? Mm-hmm. You know, my wife fought through you know, a traumatic brain injury. I think my day was okay. Mm-hmm. I'll be all right. You know, yeah. I'm not gonna, I, I, I have changed my thought process on how things are. I used to literally really sit in, in that kind of like disgust or upset nature. Now I'm just like, all right, well that happened. Just keep going. Mm-hmm. You can't really control everything. I can control yeah. how I react. And yes. that's, that's what I go with. Yes. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I, my dad died when I was 10 from cancer. And then, um, so my mom raised us and I had two older sisters and a younger brother and my younger brother and I, my, one of the things that my dad taught us and and he died when I was 10, I guess, and my brother had been seven, but he loved to ski and he was like a, just a, a dangerous skier, quite honestly. He was too fast. I don't, you know, he just loved it so much. He loved to ski with his buddies and he'd take my brother and I along and he taught us to ski. So my brother and I loved to ski and snowboard and everything. And on like one of the very few occasions that my brother and I were not skiing or boarding together, he was with some buddies in Colorado and hit this massive jump, came down, caught the back of his board, uh, hit the back of his head and cracked his helmets. Thank God he was wearing a helmet. He'd be totally dead if he hadn't Um, airlifted him off. And he was in a coma for three or four days. And I flew out there. I just remember seeing him in the hospital bed. It was, you know, massive brain injury. And, you know, when you've experienced death already in the family and then here's your only brother, he's on the death, basically kind of what looked like to me a deathbed. He was all, you know, it, dude, it can screw you up and you have to like be okay with, well, this happened and we're going to press on and thank, 
thank God he's totally fine. He healed awesome. in, you know, in, the, in the weeks thereafter. But when you experience some of that, it can cause you to like pull away and not love mm-hmm. or not press in. But that can't be, that can't be like the takeaway. It can't be the outcome. No. You know, no. it goes back to what you're saying about this letter to your, your future kid with, I think being strong and pressing forward, standing behind what you say. I think there's some takeaways with when you deal with pain like that. Yeah. It can cause you in the future to, the temptation can be there in the future to not press in and kind of shield yourself, protect yourself. But that's no way to live. No, you know that's well, a I mean, natural. That's a natural movement for me, um, is to pull back. Me too. I'm an introvert, and mm-hmm. I prefer to be alone most of the time. Um, and I think that that whole situation allowed me to take on more, you know, and, uh-huh. and really feel it and, and, and really embrace it as, yep. you know, the ability to have someone lean on me mm-hmm. and me not run away. Yes. Um, and she's the first person that I've ever wanted to do that with. Mm-hmm. So, um, I mean, I give a lot of credit to the person I am today f- from my wife. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I would say the same, man. <laughs> what the wives don't put up with, I've learned so much from. That. <laughs> it's, it's phenomenally true. Yes, yeah. Well, thanks for sharing that, man. Yeah. I feel like I get some insight into your character and your drive a little bit from that. So I appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, by the way, I wanted to ask you about uh, Morad. You said mm-hmm. that you use mayhem programming at your gym, but I thought no, will more Mayhem programming will programs for the gym. Oh, okay. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. So will program for me. Um, when I was in 2019, uh, when I went to 20th. Okay. Um, so he's, I mean, he's very good at what he does. I just, I get that mayhem for free. So. I just, okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I mean, so I got a kid on the way, I got to kind of save those, those $40. So, yeah. um, you know, it's, it's just, it's convenient. Okay, got it. And plus, so Will Morad's programming for CrossFit Trivium, yes. but at CrossFit Trivium, that's going to be the people like me there, yeah. not someone who's trying to get to the games. Whereas with Mayhem, you're on a programming that might be a little bit more geared toward the it's competition. It's geared towards masters, uh, competitors. Uh, I see. Um, and there's, it's on SugarWad, so there's a leaderboard, there's all this stuff, so you, you, know, you want to you know, beat everyone. Of course. So, yeah, but yeah, <laughs> I know every time I beat everyone, my workout partner has already beaten me. So, <laughs> right. Yep. <laughs> if I just stay close, I'll be all right. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so you've seen Brooke Wells do some work. How mm-hmm. do you think she's looking this year? How do you think she's going to do this year? She, I mean, she's fantastic. Her and her sister, her sister made the, the semis too. I saw that. So I yeah, mean, it's just kind of like cool. They, the way they move, the, the intensity they have, um, it's impressive. Yeah. So, yeah. There, I think, I think Brooke is, what was she third in Amer- the North America? I mean, I don't see her relinquishing the top five spot. She she'll be okay. at the games. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I could see that. She seems to just have really good movement, and man, you can see that kind of that determination in her eye too. It's it's that. So the way I look at it is that guys that go to the NFL, they're the one percent of the one percent. These people that are in my gym, they're the one percent of the one percent. They're just a different animal. Mm-hmm. It's more about that they're so focused and intense and nothing hurts. Like we have Hal Fisher at our gym too. And Hal, uh, he has this button. It's somewhere in his head that he just shuts off pain. Mm. Like he's the guy that if you, 2018, I think he was running on a air runner at regionals and threw up all over it and kept going. <laughs> so like he just shuts it. 
he shuts that pain <laughs> out and he's like 23. He's, he, Oh wow. Yeah. He's an animal. He's been doing it since he was like 17. Okay. Yeah. So he's got a future. Yeah. How is Will feeling? Um, Will's, well, I mean, he's maintaining right now. Okay. I think, and, and if he's healthy, when the games happen, he's, he's a threat yeah. for the podium without a doubt. Yeah. You know, he's, he's just built for CrossFit. Yeah, yeah, it seems like it. What do you think is one of the biggest misconceptions about CrossFit? Because I think there's some out there. Um, well, I mean, we talked about this before. It's it's the, you know, everyone has to RX. You know, everyone, there's no scaling. You know, you either do this or you don't and you can leave. Like, I think people come into a gym and they expect to be like in two weeks. They're like, all right, well, we're going to compete, right? Listen, there's... We, we, everything is scalable, everything you need to meet a, a member where they're at. Mm-hmm. And if as coaches and, and our coaches are fantastic, they'll meet the member where they are. Like we have one member that there's no way I would put a barbell on her back right now. Mm. And we scale everything around that, you know, cause if she can't, if, if he, she can't move, then how are you going to move with a barbell? So, you know, it's making, I think people think that they have to hit like a certain like RX button to make them feel validation. But, um, we've kind of stared away from RX and all that stuff. Have you? Well, Wattify has RX and RX plus, but we do GPP and competitor. That's really how we, we break it up. Uh, Okay. Okay. What's GPP stand for? Uh, general physical preparedness. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. So that's the terminology you're using. You're pulling out the workout Mm -hmm. of the day on the TV or whatever the coach is talking Mm -hmm. through it at the bottom. It might be GPP Mm -hmm. competitor. Yeah. So our workouts, Mm -hmm. uh, all the strengths the same for everybody, but the workouts will change based on movement. So if there's ring muscle ups in, we'll just keep that as competitor and then we'll back it down for people who can't do okay bring muscle up okay so they're still clicking an rx button which is fine i'm yep. good i'm good with that i don't really care mm-hmm. um i don't care what weight people use when i'm coaching because i coach wednesday and friday mornings five and six a.m i'm an early person i love being up so um but yeah i mean it's i don't care what weight they use i don't care what scale they are if you're getting the intensity that is supposed to be happening during the workout i don't care if you're doing air squats and push-ups mm-hmm you know, it doesn't really matter. You need to get the, the, the right stimulus out. Yeah. 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 Did you have a 5 a.m. class at Trivium? Mm-hmm. Dang. Does, yeah. it, does anyone come to that? <laughs> that it's is packed. early, man. It's packed? Yep. Wow. All our, our 5, 6, and 7 are usually full. Wow. I mean, yeah. someone's getting up at like 4 or 4.15, maybe, unless they live very I, close. That's what I love about it is I know those people are coming to work. It, they're right. not they're not like by chance stumbling in at 5 a.m. They're they're intentionally going there and they're making sure that they get their workout in before their mm-hmm. day starts. Yeah, man, that is that is I admire that so much. I I feel really good when I get up early. Mm-hmm. By early I just mean six or before. Um but uh it's not always super easy for me. But I like it when I'm up. I couldn't tell you the last time I slept past five thirty. Really? Yeah. Do you not sleep in on the weekends as a strategy so that you don't kind of lose that? I or just wake up. It's yeah. just natural for you. Normally, I'll wake up at like 4.30 usually okay. on the weekends and 3.30 during the weeks. 3.30 a.m.? Mm-hmm. Wow. And you're going to bed at 8.30? 8? 8. eight. I'm, I'm probably sleeping by 8. And maybe I go to bed by no 7.30. Kidding. Yeah. Wow. And this just fits you? Or you're just way more productive in the morning? Or why um, such a schedule so i'll get my workout in before i coach so 4 a.m to 5 a.m i'll usually get 
one part of my workout in. And, okay. Uh, I, I just feel like it's the quietest part of my day, mm-hmm. you know? So when you're dealing with clients and text messages and people asking you what, where, sh- what should I eat when I'm going to this restaurant? Like you mm-hmm. get that just nonstop. It's, I have nonstop inundated with stuff. Yes. Um, so that's like the quietest part of my day. Yeah. Well, yeah. I can imagine, dude, there's probably not a lot of people up at 4 a.m. There's, there's, <laughs> there's no traffic. It's great. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Best thing about COVID, at least the first several months, oh, no man, traffic yeah. in Nashville. That was fantastic. Um, do you, what do you, I was just having this, uh, I guess you could say argument with some buddies a couple weekends ago. Do you consider CrossFit a sport? I mean, how can you not? It, people can consider like competitive cheerleading a sport i mean they're not doing anything less dangerous or more dangerous i mean the stuff that we do in crossfit the people when people compete i mean i think it's definitely it should be a multi-level like triple a single a double a Mm -hmm. just like baseball it should be like that's how i think it should be broken out um but yeah i think it's a sport i mean you're doing multiple sports in in one thing yeah so yeah, I totally agree. I mean, it has obviously it has regulations. Mm-hmm. Um, it has like it has a common language. Mm-hmm. Like there's a common language to it. There is competition. There's a season. Mm-hmm. There is you know quarterfinal, semi. You know the games. I mean, it's got everything that a sport yeah. has. Um, so I would argue that it is a sport. And I, and I was and this is what I was saying is I I actually think that in time it's going to be self evident. I think in yeah. time, everyone like, well, yeah, of course it's a sport. Well, I mean, the first person who shot a basketball into a peach bucket, people are like, what the yeah. hell are you doing? <laughs> yeah, that's, exactly. That's nothing. So, I mean, it's just going it, to, like, you're right, it's going to take some time. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, I think it's, when you look at the people who have won recently, they're good ambassadors to the sport. Mm. Um, Tia's, uh, again, fantastic. And uh, one, one of the people that trains with her said that she's probably the best CrossFitter ever male or female just combined everything like and he doesn't make a lot of compliments to people so wow. like i was like wow that's pretty high praise yeah um, and then uh, i mean matt's being a little bit more outgoing now that mm-hmm. he's done with crossfit mm-hmm. uh, i enjoyed his joe rogan podcast mm-hmm. i mean i i enjoy matt I, as a northerner i mm-hmm. i enjoy matt um he's from vermont from rhode island originally okay so, yep um but yeah, I mean, Rich is fantastic. Yes, you know? uh, I've competed against Rich a bunch, um, and he's he's just a great. I'm mean, like these people aren't like different people when you meet them. Yeah, they're the same people. They yeah. are good people. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I enjoyed Frazier's podcast with Rogan too. Yeah. Some some people thought he kind of kind of crapped on CrossFit a little bit. I don't think it was that. I don't think they were trying to. I don't think he was trying to. I think Joe is not a fan of CrossFit. Joe leads people into that. But I mean, what Joe does outside of the the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, he does CrossFit. I mean, it's just not called CrossFit. Sure. The so, types of workouts yeah. he does and everything. Yeah, I mean, it's hip yeah. training. I mean, mm-hmm. it's essentially what CrossFit is. It's intervals, you know? Yep. That's what all that is. Yeah. and I, But I also will say on Joe, because I listen to, to him off and on some, I also feel like he's not poo-pooing on CrossFit as much as he used to be. So no. I even feel like Joe's coming around a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I think everyone is. It, there's some solid methodologies, and I think the biggest issue was the coaches and the owners who had zero experience and just spent $1,000 and opened an affiliate, mm-hmm. you know? Um, obviously, it's more expensive than that, but mm-hmm. $1,000 to get your L1. Um, and, I, like, when I got my L1, there was a guy that had never done a CrossFit workout before, ever. 
You mean he was there for he his was L1? There for his L1. Yeah. And he never done a workout yeah, before? This, Would it, they give him an L1? If you pay a thousand dollars and pass a test. Oh wow. Yeah. Huh. So that is odd. you know, at that point he can then open an affiliate. And I think that's okay. that's what the issue is with a lot of people's, especially like, you know, ISSA, you know, CSCS, uh, all those people who went to school for it, taking a bunch of tests. Um, I just see a bunch of tests. Like I have a bunch of certifications. That's what does it mean? Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean anything if you can't apply it. So Right. Yeah. And I hear that I'm sure that there's plenty of people that open their affiliate and weren't good coaches mm-hmm. and bad things happen. I've just never I've never been I've never seen it. Yeah. And I've never had anyone who has experienced it like a friend who's experienced it that much, but I'm sure it's out there. But like you say, it's probably happening a lot less than it used to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's part of the nature of the beast a little bit with CrossFit. I mean, if you look at, if you look at how CrossFit has just kind of taken over the world and it, for, it had to be enough structured and enough not structured mm-hmm. because if it was too structured, it wouldn't have grown like it did. I mean, it, it really, I think that some of the genius was just in not having it over structured. I think, yeah. So, um, well, I mean, owning an affiliate and having owned a, uh, a store, a retail space that was a, um, franchise, two totally different things, similar thought process, but two totally, I had to do in the franchise, you have to do things by the book. They mm-hmm. have protocols, they have everything. And now with the affiliate, um, we get to run it the way we want to, if we want to run it as a, a clubhouse, then we can run it as a clubhouse. If mm-hmm. we want to run it as a business, we can run it as a business. There's best practices, but there's nothing that's telling you that you have to do X, Y, and Z, you know, to continue forward. Mm-hmm. Um, we just got to pay our affiliate fee. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Totally. Yeah. And you talk about bodybuilding earlier too. I mean, mm-hmm. shoot, if I had to pick, you know, the body um, makeup of a bodybuilder or Alex Smith, dude, I'd go, I'd go CrossFitter yeah. any day of the week. More I mean, functional. it's just more fun. It's way yeah. more functional. Yeah. Um, okay, let's jump into to nutrition. Cool. This is going to be the central focus right. of our conversation. So here we go. All right. All right. <laughs> All right. What do you do um, with nutrition? What? So I actually plan and program for people based on their goals and where they are and what their schedule is, what their body fat percentage is, what their weight is. There's a lot of metrics that go into it, but uh, everything is really precise and built out for the individual. And are these everyday people or are mm-hmm. these elite athletes? I'm both. Okay. Yeah, I have... I think I've had uh, six CrossFit Games athletes, uh, probably a handful of NFL, Major League Baseball, UFC, pretty much every major sport. Um, the majority of people are just people wanting to learn how to eat healthier. Okay. Yeah. So if you have, so you kind of have these two categories. It's the mm-hmm. one, the, the elite athletes, mm-hmm. and then the people looking to be more healthy and mm-hmm. eat healthier and all those <clears throat> for those reasons. Um so you're working with them both mm-hmm. and this is very personalized very or you're personalized. releasing meal plans kind of out no. and then everyone kind of takes it. Everything or? starts from scratch. So, cause every, like I said about the squat, what we were talking about earlier, everyone is different. So why would you take a template and just pass it out? Like, sure. Now that's a good way to make a lot of money really fast and then not make money after that. But Yep. You know, I think what it really comes down to is if I'm doing my job right, I, I work in eight week increments. If I'm doing my job right, I'm teaching them how to do it so they can do it themselves, you know, and they may need the accountability. They may need, you know, adjustments to the plan because everything is going to adjust, but um, needs will change. But I mean, 
if I'm doing my job, that they should be able to do all of it on their own. Okay. And they're going to pay you monthly? It's almost like a subscription? Thing? No, I don't do subscriptions. It's essentially okay. you pay up front for the eight weeks and then... Ah, okay. Okay. So you have this kind of eight week program mm -hmm. that people will go through. Now, how about for the elite athletes? Is that eight weeks as well? Or do you go longer? It's a different. Them? Okay. Yeah. So it's, it's based on season. Like, so, and Will's different than I've worked with, um, uh, you know, Dave Hippensteel. I don't. He's like 65 plus champ, CrossFit champ. He's, okay. He's the most high energy guy I've ever been around. He's awesome. Um, but like they have different needs. Mm -hmm. um, training intensities have changed and, and Will sends me his programming and I look at it and I'm like, all right, well, this is how we do, this is how we break out his, his program based on intensity. So that's kind of how I do Will. Now, uh, Dave's is a little more, um, concise and tight. So with Will, he'll show you his programming and then you're going to give him, you're going to give him a meal plan based around his it's programming? essentially protocol. Oh, wow. So I'll put okay. a protocol together for him so he's properly um, hydrated, properly fueled for all the intensity that they do. I mean, they work out I for see. like six hours a day. Oh, it's crazy. I don't even know what the heck I would do with six hours of working out a day. That's like yes. my whole week. I'm done. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's, I'm, too, I'm too old for that. Um, the uh, I really want to dig in on then probably the, like the nutrition advice mm -hmm. for kind of the common people, but the athletes. So here's a question for you. I saw on Tia's Instagram that... I think it might have been Street Horner brought this five pound bag of gummies. Sour Patch yeah. gummies, mm -hmm. Sour Patch Kids or whatever. Mm -hmm. And they're like dipping into it after a workout. Mm -hmm. And I'll see Tia like multiple times. They've gotten out and went, went out and got like five daughters donuts or something. Mm -hmm. And I think she's even sipping some red wine at night. Like yeah. those things surprise me. Is it because though at that level, you're working out six hours a day. You yeah. basically just need to get anything in your body that you possibly can or... Well, you're looking at those those gummies are going to be a fast-burning carbohydrate. So it's going to absorb quickly into the bloodstream. It's going to disperse quickly for energy or for muscle glycogen. So you're going to have a fuel source there. Uh, and that's that's like what uh, Fraser was talking about on the, the Rogan podcast. He's like, yeah, they, I was eating Snickers and drinking Cokes. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Like, you're yeah. just like, that's crazy. But with the amount that they work out and the intensities at which they work out and they're dialed in, mm -hmm. I mean, they just need calories mostly. Mm -hmm. um, Will eats a lot cleaner. He had a little uh, kidney scare uh, a little while back. Um, so we have him eating a little cleaner than that. He's a little more precise. Mm -hmm. um, no yeah. alcohol? Um, or does he, he can he drink some? on occasion. Okay. Um, I, I think that the older you get, he's 30. So the older you get, the, the less you really feel good at if you have any alcohol, yeah, like, I don't drink, okay, um, because it it just sucks the next day, yeah, like and and it's just not worth it to me to feel bad for a day, yeah. So that's an age thing. I didn't really know. I, <laughs> I thought it was just or I'm out of practice. I can't tell. Yeah, I, I wonder because I've 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 just not drank much alcohol at all in the last yeah. two years. Yeah, and um, I mean I don't have a problem with it. If I'm out at a restaurant, I'm, I'll probably have something, but. That feeling, mm. well, I think what you're talking about, that that feeling the next day, mm -hmm. or even when you have the extra beer and you kind of feel, I just don't, I don't, I don't care for that feeling yeah. anymore. No. Um, it's not really worth it. But I mean, but okay. But having said that, mm. a good cold beer just the right time, dude, I'm still a sucker for that for sure. Well, um, and, and I don't, if you're an adult, if you're over 21, I'm not going to tell you not to drink. Sure. I'd be like, hey, this is what drinking does. This is how many calories you're taking in from it. But you're an adult. I'm not. Right. I'm not here to to police you on that. I'm going to tell you what 
that give you all the information so you can make the best decision possible. Yep. Um, but yeah, I'm not not gonna slap food or beers out of people's hands. Right. <laughs> so someone asked me to like they're like, I wish you could just follow me around and slap my food out of my hands. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like I I don't think I'd want to do that. Yeah. That sounds terrible. <laughs> yeah, that's probably not gonna be helpful. No. Plus, I mean, let's be honest, that is legalism right and legalism doesn't change hearts what because you can slap you can follow them around during the day slapping food out of their hands but what's going to happen when you're not there at night or you know i mean who knows then you're you haven't like fixed the problem yeah i'm not going to stay at their house exactly yeah. so i mean it, there is that and that's where the education process comes in for me it's making sure that people are, are okay with asking questions like they're like, oh, I didn't want to bug you. I'm like, you paid me. Mm. Like, mm-hmm. ask your questions. If you're out at a restaurant, give me five minutes and tell me where you are. I can walk you through a menu. I mean, it's it's really personalized for the individual. Are they texting um, you that? Oh, yeah. Or, oh, wow. Oh, yeah. that is highly personalized yeah. then. Wow. So yeah. you're getting text messages like all kinds all of... All the time. All throughout the day and everything? Nonstop. Wow. Yeah. Huh. Do you care for that? Um, I would rather the mask than okay. guess. I hate okay. guessing. I think guessing is the fastest way to fall off track. So if okay. you have an answer, then you at least, you know, the right choice. Now you may mm-hmm. not choose that choice, but you know what you should have done. Yeah. So, yep. makes sense. Um, speaking of the Sour Patch Kids mm-hmm. after the workout and everything, only like, I don't know, in the last year, I would say two or three times I've come back. I like to go to the 1130 class. So mm-hmm. 1230, it's over shower back here by 1245 or so. And two or three times in the last year, it, it kind of had me like out of my, like it kind of had me in like a brain fog sort mm-hmm. of i I'm not fully understanding what I'm supposed to be doing right now. I don't have my full mental clarity for, I mean, hour and a half, two hours. I mean, the one time I remember it was Josh Scott podcast and I did, we did um, pocketbook Thursday at which we shouldn't have but it was like a 35 minute workout we all put in five bucks mm-hmm. and pick a teammate out of a hat and whoever wins gets the money and I did that and so you push hard for 35 minutes oh, yeah. and I came back and it's like I I was supposed to do this podcast and dude it was like where am I what day is it what am I supposed to be doing it was so bad what is that um the majority of people need carbohydrates so if you were a little low that day based on the, the intensity, you probably needed more. Um, so that would normalize your blood sugar and keep you kind of steady. So it's essentially your blood sugar dropped, I, I believe. Okay. Yeah. So what um, I started doing, this is probably not something I should be doing, but Costco makes these guys and Those they are good. wicked good. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But um, after I saw um, Tia eating yeah. or those guys eating, obviously this is way different, right? I'm just working out for an hour. But what I started to do is when I get back from the gym, have one of these and a cup of coffee mm-hmm. as a way to sort of get my energy back up yeah. quickly. It seems to be helping, but it is a chocolate a day. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, a chocolate, that's 21 carbs on that for two. So you're taking in 10 and a half carbs. That's it. Okay. Like that's nothing. That's okay. literally nothing. Well, it's nothing in terms of carbs, but I mean, there's sugar in there. There's sugar in there, but that's going to, I mean, your body's going to process it and send it to where it needs to go. So if that's muscle glycogen, I mean, like I said, it's only 10 and a half carbs, which is probably nine and a half sugar. Okay. Um, but I mean, is that going to be the reason that you don't follow a plan properly? Probably not. Okay. Like if you, like, and this is one of the things I tell all my clients, I'm like, 
one meal doesn't make the whole week. Mm-hmm. But if you say, oh, I already messed up here, F it, I'm going to just screw up the next day. Yes. I mean, then that's where the problem comes in. So yes. understanding that one meal will never be the reason this doesn't work is incredibly important. You know, mm-hmm. So it's not like Whole30 where you mess up once and it's game over. Yes. It's, this is life. You yep. have to accommodate life. Yep. Okay. So, but if, if people are listening to this and like, mm-hmm. yeah, I go to CrossFit too. And when I get back, maybe I'm going to start to eat a Snickers bar. I mean, <laughs> we, we can't be advising that, no, right? No. I, I, and I'm not advising that. Okay. You know, I, I eat extremely clean. I have, I've been 200 pounds since sixth grade. I'm a bigger boned individual. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have to work on it every day. Like every day. I love food. I'm half Italian. I love food. Okay. You know, so, but like what it comes down to is I know my body well enough that if I don't dial it in, I'm not going to look the way I want to look. I'm not going to perform the way I want to perform. Mm-hmm. So most people don't care about that. They just want to look good. Uh, and I'm cool with that. Understanding at that point that, you know, one meal, one drink, one thing is not going to be the end all be all. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's incredibly important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So the feeling of in in this and like I said, it was rare. It's only mm-hmm. two or three times it was that bad. But there was a couple times where it was it was fairly bad. Mm-hmm. You think that's a drop in my blood sugar? I believe so. And that could have been helped by having more carbohydrates at that time, which uh, is before or after. I mean, usually okay. forty five minutes to an hour and a half beforehand. If it's a fast burning pre digested carb. Um, then your body's going to utilize it. If it's not pre-digested uh, and fast-burning, then you need it to be maybe two hours beforehand. Okay. Yeah. So what is interesting about what you just said is I have been not eating until dinner mm-hmm. for a year and a month or so, a couple months, over a year. Not eating at all? Yeah, like I haven't eaten today. Like, after, like after a food meal or like you talking like a, a candy or... Um, oh, good point. I forgot about that. Um, so I will wake up and come to the office, have two cups of coffee What's throughout the course it? of my morning, black. just black, okay. and then go work out, mm-hmm. come um, have a protein shake after okay. the workout, and now in the last couple of weeks, a chocolate, mm-hmm. another coffee, and then um, I won't eat solid food until dinner time, and then I will eat a bunch, yeah, two, on full, yeah. two on full, two on full, and then I'll eat till I go to bed, which mm. is probably not the best, but that schedule, it feels really good for me. But, mm. but also last year I did the carnivore only for like three or four months. And so what you just said about carbohydrates mm. actually could be, it, it's resonating because I haven't been eating many carbohydrates. Yeah. So maybe that's been causing some of those. I think, brain it, fogs. I think it's probably the biggest. So your body will, will be, become fat adaptive at that point, if you're starving out of carbohydrates, it's going to burn what it can burn. Mm-hmm. Um, but some people take to that much better than others. Like my metabolism burns fat. Like I think, I think it said 98% better than carbohydrates. So I'm lower carb, higher fat. Mm-hmm. Um, my proteins around 185 to 190, not like my body weight or anything like that. Um, and I'm like 250 grams of fat and the rest is carbs. Okay, a day you're saying. Yeah. Now, how do you know your body is better that way? I did a, a couple different metabolic tests. Okay. Um, Vital.com, and then I did 23andMe, combining the, the, data, oh, okay. the data that comes along with that. Um, I'm about to do Inside Tracker because I kind of want to, I just, I like to nerd out on that stuff. Yeah. So 
Um, I started using, <laughs> so I bought that Lumen. You ever seen those things? No. It's like you blow into it and it's, it's like, oh, you're burning mostly fat right now. I'm like, I don't, this is like no some sort of wizard. Huh. I don't even. Do you think I, it's accurate? No. Semi-accurate? No, okay. Not, not in the least. Okay. Yeah. The science just doesn't make any sense. Like, huh. But I wanted to give it a try. So, so you, your body works mm-hmm. better eating more fat. Yeah. Than more, not not necessarily more fat than carbs, but more fat than a normal than a, yeah. than other people, or yeah. more fat than carbs. I eat more fat than carbs. Okay, yeah, and I'm at like 3,500 calories a day. Um, for a total, total. Okay, um, I eat three times usually. Okay, so each meal is about 1,100 plus calories. Okay, what time? Uh, it depends on the day. Okay, so some days I'll I'll fast a little bit, and maybe I'll eat at ten or eleven. Some days I'll eat at six. It it for me it doesn't that matters less than making sure that I get the calories in. Okay, yeah. so you're having three meals a day. <clears throat> Timing can fluctuate a little bit. Mm-hmm. Thirty five hundred calories, mm-hmm. and that's more. The average person is like twenty five hundred. Is that right? Depends on what their output is and where their body fat is. But okay. you know, the average male is like two thousand to twenty four hundred. Okay, and you're eating a lot of fat. Where are you getting that from? Avocados, peanut butter, um, meat fats. Um, I eat a lot of avocado. Oh yeah, yeah, I love avocado. Last night, I just watched uh, Fat Fiction. Have mm-hmm. you ever seen that documentary I've on Amazon? I've seen it on Amazon. I haven't watched it yet. Oh, dude, it's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, it's really good. Um, I was so turned off by Game Changers. Um, the the whole, I mean, I just can't get behind it with what they were saying. Yeah. Now, if someone doesn't want to, you know, doesn't like animal cruelty, I get it. Yes. Cool. If you have an issue with digestion, I get it. Cool. But if you're doing it just to be, like, cool... Yes. It's not cool. I agree. <laughs> but by the way, fat fiction would be in direct opposition to game yeah. changers. Because fat fiction is it talks about how so far off the FDA and the US government was in general with their food guidelines. Mm-hmm. They had us eating all these carbs. Processed Dude, carbs. And I looked it up and the food pyramid from nineteen ninety two to two thousand five has um like so meant like six to eight servings of no, I'm sorry, eight to eleven servings of bread, cereal, yeah, rice, grains. and pasta yeah. group. Yeah, six to eleven servings a day. Dude, and I'll tell you this right right now. If I ate six to eleven servings of bread and cereal mm. and rice and pasta, I'd be three hundred pounds. Dude, yeah. my belly would be like I don't even put on weight, but I would be soft. Yeah. My belly would be fat and I would feel like shit. Yeah. But this is what we're all doing. So and, this is what you're supposed to be and doing. There's been minimal and then, amendments to it since then. There's too. been very minimal amendments to it, and then um, and then when they make the amendments, they're not highly publicizing no. those. So the best thing, this is the one of the points in that documentary. The best thing you could do with that food pyramid is tip it on its face. 100%. Then you have a little better food pyramid. But what was so weird about that was then they went through this low fat craze. Mm-hmm. Low fat, low fat, low fat. Like fat gives you heart disease. Fat. Mm-hmm. So then every, everything in America was this in like in the 60s, 70s, 80s, maybe maybe 70s or 80s. Every, it was all about low fat. Now you had low fat chocolate milk. Mm-hmm. You had low fat Oreos. You had low fat. Junk food, well, and I, it's being. I grew up on skim it's, milk, dude. It's insane. Yeah, and so you're basically what you're doing is you're taking the fat out of the American people's diet and replacing it with sugar, mm-hmm. which is, dude. You know how much you have to know about nutrition to understand that's not 
going to end well. No, it's addiction. And it didn't end well. No. Dude, did you know? So this is 71% currently of Americans aged 17 to 24 cannot join the military. And the biggest reason for that is obesity. Dude, we are becoming too fat to fight. Yeah. That's incredible. It's... For what we believe is the greatest country in the world, it's embarrassing. It's so embarrassing. And the it's not even it's okay, so they're not in shape. They don't like to work out. That the the millennials, I guess, I, I fall into that. Apparently I'm eighty two is is in there. Okay. But, um they don't want to. They don't want to be physically active. They don't want to fight for this country. They don't yeah. they want to sit behind a keyboard and complain about shit. Well, it's well, yeah, but dude, I would probably want to as well if I ate crap my entire life. So yeah, you don't want to get you know. Up. I mean, this it's a snowball effect. It's like South Park when they're playing the video. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You never have to get but, up. <laughs> so legitimately, this guy, um, he kind of had an agenda behind this uh, low fat, mm-hmm. high carb thing. Ansel Keys was his name. And he was doing tests in countries that was going to give him the data that he wanted to show. Mm-hmm. I don't know what, what he stood to gain um, behind having Americans eating a more low-fat, high-carb diet. But they got it across. And legitimately, the FDA... I saw a video clip of whenever this was in the 80s or whenever it was, where they, were, they had these a senator or was around the room, and the one senator was basically saying... I'm not comfortable with coming out with these guidelines because we haven't yet done the rigor, the scientific mm-hmm. um, data and research to, to prove this. And in that meeting, someone else said, but basically whoever was in charge, I hear your point, but we don't have time. This, this is time is of the essence. We have to make this change now because we had what was appeared to be a heart disease endemic or pandemic or whatever going on in America was a big problem. And so they use this, this kind of justification Mm -hmm. or understanding that we don't have time to do more research. We don't have time to get the actual science on this. We have to come out with these guidelines now. And those guidelines were low fat, high carb, Mm -hmm. and it caused obesity and more heart disease and more problems. And so when you couple that with what happened with opioids and the opioid production people um, said that this is not addictive. And the FDA said, yeah, I I think you're right. And they also said at one point, this is not addictive. Well, guess what? Opioids, highly, highly, highly addictive. Just a couple days ago, we had two ladies sitting on here talking about foster care and adoption of the people of the kids coming into foster care in Tennessee right now, half, this was a wet finger in the air guess, but they know because they do this every day. Half of the people coming into foster care in Tennessee right now, you know what it's from? It's from opioids. Yeah. So guess what? The FDA didn't have it right then. So w- I just wonder with people, would it be, could you understand some hesitancy if someone has some amount of hesitancy around just outsourcing their health decisions to the FDA? If you look back on some of, and I'm not saying they're always wrong, and I'm not saying they're trying to be wrong on purpose, but when it comes to, Yet again, something's going on. We need to rush something to the market. We don't have time to do more research. What's that sound like? What does that sound like? You know, <laughs> like, do, do you want to go ahead and get it? I, no problem. Do I want to rush out and get it? No. Not particularly. And if it be okay, I'd like, I'd appreciate some level of understanding yeah. around that. Yeah, but that's, is that that's un, not, that's unreasonable? Like, apparently, <laughs> apparently it is. And now I have an issue with the FDA because I owned a supplement store for 
for almost 10 years and they don't regulate the supplement industry. You can literally put whatever you want on a label. I have heard this. It is, it's, it's terrible. Um, so the proprietary blends, things like that, that people put in there, they're like, oh, this has, this has whatever, um, I don't know, citrulline malate in it and it's got five grams, but the complex has five grams and it's got like 16 different things in it. So you pretty much lying to people from a regular basis. And, And when you look at something like as simple as whey protein, which is pretty studied, there's whey protein concentrate is anywhere from 30% to 80%. So that is a f- wow. big range. So when people get bubble guts from something, it's probably on the lower end. Mm. Like, you know, most people who have ever used any of the Synthesis products or BSM products have usually mm-hmm. had a little bit of issue with um, nitrogen balance in their stomach being off from, you know, being a lower quality of protein. Aha. Uh-huh. So. What, um, what are your thoughts on a scent? Huge fan. Oh, really? Huge fan. Oh, okay, good. Um, I personally don't take a lot of supplements, okay. but I mean, they their main company is a is a monster, is a cheese company. So the byproduct oh, they're getting is is directly from the source, which is fantastic. Okay, so, yeah. Okay, that cool. sounds good. Well, that's good what that. Evan has, and he says it's really good. And so, yeah. um, okay, what are your thoughts on intermittent fasting? I think there's a lot of great information and and studies on fasting and how it could benefit the body. Um, I think it's in direct opposition to the, the bro science myth of eat six small meals a day. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't subscribe to that. Uh, I don't think it's necessary. Some people may need snacks because they're not getting enough calories in, in their meals, but the majority of people, you need to let your body digest and then do, do what it's supposed to do. Like your body can help fix itself if mm-hmm. you give it the time to. If it's constantly working on digesting, you're never going to be able to, to to get back to a balance or a normal. If you're always eating before it's had time to digest mm-hmm. what you've already eaten, constantly digesting. Oh, you know? okay. So gastric entry times every like two to three hours. So if you're eating every two to three hours, mm-hmm. then you're constantly digesting the whole day, and then. What's your body doing? I mean, it doesn't have any chance to flush uh, inflammation. It doesn't have any chance to repair um, sprains, uh, tears, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you really don't get the opportunity to to be human. Mm. So that would be one benefit of intermittent fasting. Yeah. You'd for sure have that. Yeah. Now, how about sleeping at night? Does that not count? What That's six or eight hours where oh. probably most people are not eating, right? Um most people aren't. I have some clients that wake up in the middle of the night and eat. I don't. Okay. <laughs> I have to go downstairs if I want to do that, and that's just not happening. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that that. So normal intermittent fasting is sixteen eight. So mm-hmm. you're eating for an eight hour window. You're fasting for sixteen, and the majority of that sixteen is sleep. Mm-hmm. So normal is twelve to eight p.m. That's this is just standard. Um, now that needs that that moves around. I have a couple clients that like start their day at tw- ten. And mm. I'm like, all right, so it's 10 to 6. They, they eat early. They're fine with that. It, it can move around as long as it's 16, 8. And I think for females, it's um, 14, 10. Mm. Yeah, because of hormone production and, and things like that. So They can eat for a little bit of a longer window mm-hmm. and still get the same benefits? Similar benefits, passing? yeah. Similar, okay. Where women, obviously, estrogen is, is a huge 
player in that. So mm-hmm. letting the body regulate those hormones after meals is going to allow them the opportunity to, okay. to balance. So you have clients that do intermittent fasting. Mm-hmm. And then you help them know what to eat in their mm-hmm. eating window, basically. Yeah. So the way I break down food is how it affects the blood, the blood sugar in the bloodstream, how it hits. Um, so the way I break everything out, there's protein, there's fats, and then there's three different types of carbs because they hit your bloodstream differently. Mm-hmm. So you have your fast burning carbs, your fruits, your, you know, your sugars based uh, natural foods. Obviously, we're not putting Snickers bars in there or anything like that. Uh, slow burning carbs, which are like your rices, your starches, um, potatoes, and there's really nothing off the table. Like people are like, Oh, well, should I stay away from gluten? I'm like, are you allergic to gluten? No. Okay. Well, well, just eat food. I mean, you'll be okay. Uh, and then there's fibrous carbs. So your green vegetables, your things like that. So you say fiber, fibrous, fibrous carbs. Mm -hmm. Okay. So carbs essentially that are mainly fiber based. Okay. So the way I look at that is like, and this is one of the questions I get all the time. They're like, so I get most of my, my protein from peanut butter. I'm like, no, you don't. No, you don't. There's no way. Because there's six grams of protein and there's 16 grams of fat. So there's no way you get your, the majority of your protein from that unless you're eating like 12 grams of protein a day. Yep. So the way food is classified is incredibly important. So that's a fat that has protein. You know, mm-hmm. yes. Rather than a, a, oh, it's a protein and a fat. No, it's a oh, fat. Oh, okay. That has so you protein. view, okay. So you view peanut butter as this is a fat that has protein yes. in it. I see. Okay. Yeah. And it's a good fat. And I mean, I'm fine with, you know, peanut butter, almond butter, cashew butter, whatever, sunflower butter. It doesn't really matter to me. Mm-hmm. All those are about the same. So, okay. All right. So you are, do you recommend intermittent fasting or you're just okay with it if someone has tested it and it seems to be working well for them? If someone's tested it or wants to test it, I'll show them how to do it. If someone's been doing it, then I'll show them how to continue to do it. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I'm, I don't throw it out there. Most people just need to be balanced. Really? You know, the majority of people come in and I'm like, you eat zero fat. Like, that's a problem, mm-hmm. you know, or you eat no carbs. You probably need to up that, mm-hmm. you know. So I give them a good balance to start. And then every two weeks we meet. So I, I tweak the plan based on what the results are. Mm-hmm. So I go off an in-body. I have an in-body 270 at my my office. What is that? It's a biometric impedance. Um, it's like if you go to a NutriShop, they have those machines you stand on, you put your hands on, you look like a goof. Okay. There. Yeah. It's the most Never awkward heard. way to stand as, as, as you possibly could. Um, but it gives me body fat percentage, skeletal muscle mass, uh, body weight, uh, resting metabolic rate, uh, water, how much total body water you have. I mean, it gives me enough data to build out a program and have some, you know, data points for each time they come in. I see. So then we're showing progress on multiple different levels rather than just being like, oh, you lost five pounds. Because I could give a shit about weight. Excuse me, can I swear? Yeah, yeah, it's world. Sorry. I'm not going to tell your mom. <laughs> right. well, my, my mom swears more than I do. Um, I coach kids' classes. So okay. I'm, like, I'm like, oh my God, did I just swear? Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's I could care less about weight. People are like, oh, well, I would like to weigh. I'm like, you're going to weigh what you're going to weigh at a right body fat. Mm-hmm. You know, mm. And if you think 125 is your weight and you settle at 130, but you fit into all your clothes, you're going to be okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's multiple different things that that matter more than what a scale says. It's like, yes. it's like wondering what the internet thinks about me. I don't give a shit. Yes, exactly. Totally agree with that. A hundred percent. For whatever weird reason, I've never put on weight. Mm-hmm. Like when I went, so when I would stop working out or, you know, fall off and just get too caught up at work and not 
CrossFit for like six months or whatever and not even eat the great eat, eat the greatest. I get soft in my gut, but I don't put on weight. I actually lose a little bit of weight. So I've just never paid much attention to my weight and I've never paid any attention, not even a little bit, to calories. I have no idea how many calories yeah. I, I, I eat. And so I think there I have room for improvement on that front. Mm-hmm. I actually be very interested in maybe I just need to go through your program because I'd, I'd kind of like to bulk up, but but I, I've not paid. But but also, okay, maybe I should pay more attention to my caloric intake. Mm-hmm. But when people are counting their calories and it's like they're just trying to stay under two thousand calories, and so like this Coke is however many calories, and this mm-hmm. cheeseburger, and then this ice cream and this chocolate, dude. And I mean, the answer to that is, guys, stop it, right? The whole, just stop it. The whole if it fits your macros thing is is taken out of context. Um, so people are like, oh, well, you know, I can eat donuts and pizza. I'm like, sure you can. But like if you eat a pizza and you have, say, say a female has 15 to 1700 calories and you eat a whole pizza, you can't eat the rest of the day. Mm-hmm. Like, how does that make sense that it doesn't? So yep. the reason it was created was to allow people to eat what they want within a calorie level, like on occasion. Like, so say you're going out to eat for an anniversary, you could just, all right, well, I'm going to pull back here so I can eat like this meal that I, that we're having here. Mm -hmm. It wasn't meant to be like, Hey, let's celebrate shitty food. Exactly. I'm going to eat pop tarts and donuts all day. And as long as I keep it under my, the total calorie count for the day, I should be fine. Yeah. So a lot of people think like that food quality doesn't matter. They're like, all right, well, I'll just stick up my calories and I'll be okay. But food quality matters. Like for internal function, you need good nutritious food. Oh yeah. If you're eating like protein bars and shakes all day, I mean, you're not getting what you need. You're getting a bunch of processed food that has pretty much no nutrient value. Yes. Why is that so hard to understand? Because every time people go to the gas station and fill up their car, they have the option of 87 something or 93, whatever the fuel options mm-hmm. are. And there's diesel and no one really runs good on diesel except for the trucks or whatever mm-hmm. and, the, and, and, and the Volkswagens. But even at the gas station, we understand there's a lower quality fuel, a medium quality and a high quality fuel. There is a precedent for this to be out there. It shouldn't take that much understanding to understand that eating... 2,000 calories of those chocolates a day is going to be different than eating 2,000 calories of, you know, my um, my uh, cow in the backyard that mm. I cut up and ate. Yeah. You know, I mean, extreme. Why is this so hard to understand? Um, so we've been taught that less is less is best a lot. Um, uh, we've been taught that. I mean, it's precedent. You know, the thing we're yeah. talking about right there with with you know carbohydrates being refined carbohydrates being the base of a pyramid. Mm -hmm. We've been told that, you know, it doesn't really matter what you eat if you just eat kind of like this. And it does. So like I can't eat like my clients, some of my clients do because it doesn't react well with my body, but they can't eat like I do either. And I don't push that on anyone. Mm. I think the biggest issue that we come across is, and this, I have a lot of female clients. Like I would say probably the majority of my clients are female, um, but they don't eat. Like I have a bunch of like little girls, like and I say little girls, I'm, they're younger than me, but they're, they're like little people. Um, and they're like 130 pounds and five, four, and they work out a, an absolute like two hours a day and they're eating like 1200 calories. And you're just like, Whoa, what's going on? You know, could, well, I want to get leaner. I'm like, well, <laughs> it's not going to work that way. That's, that's just not how you do things. Like it works to a point and then it goes backwards. 
Okay, can you talk about that, why that is? Because I think you're now touching on something that, um, okay, you, I feel like um, Nick and Dwight from Proven were talking about, which is that some people think you just need to up your exercise, lower your food, but at some point you actually get not just diminishing returns, but it starts to work against mm-hmm. you because your body starts to kind of go into a mode. Mm-hmm. Maybe you can speak to this, but, but I think what they were saying was sometimes you actually increase your overall food that you're eating. Maybe it's different food. Mm -hmm. Maybe I forget if they said that or not, but you actually increase the food a little bit, get the body what it needs. And then you actually, you actually can sometimes lose weight or be in a much better place physically. What's going on with all of that? So your metabolism is your regulator. So that's where you burn the amount of calories you burn. So if you're eating too far under too much of a deficit for too long, it, your metabolism drops it'll slow down to accommodate the lower amount. So initially eating restricted schedule for like, say you're doing it for two weeks, you're going to see some, some gains or, or losses, whatever you're, you're looking for. But at some point your body's like, I mean, our human, human body is the most complex machine out there. So if you look at it that way, it's going to adapt. It adapts to the food level that you're eating. And then slowly your metabolism slows down and you start gaining fat from the amount of food that you're eating or mm-hmm. not eating, you know, so your body goes, it will start to store. Um, and you know, once the muscle glycogen is full, everything goes to process through the liver as, as carbohydrates process through the liver as fat. So, uh, and then it's stored. So, you know, and, and that's kind of like why that doesn't work, you know? So uh, I'm sure they talked about Brooke and she was only eating like 2,500 calories last year training for six hours. That's, and I, I asked her about it. So she told me what she was eating. Um, and then now she's eating way more than that. And she's actually as lean as she was. Yes. And her performance is same spectacular way. Yes. She said, okay, that's a great example because I think she even had this on her social media or something. Mm -hmm. The macro stack stuff. Yeah. yeah, So it's not private information. So she, 2,500 calories a day, working out six hours Mm -hmm. a day. Now she's eating more. Do you know what she's eating? I don't. Okay, but I she's don't. eating more. Yeah. Is she eating different types of foods or it's just more? I think it's just, I don't know. I think it's okay. just more. Uh, I, I do Sydney's nutrition and oh, she yeah? was only eating originally like 1,800 calories and she works out a lot. You know, she's, I mean, she's extremely fit. Now, the, the thing about that, and this is what I'm talking about with the 1%, they can get by doing that because they're that good. Mm. Um, but I bumped her up like immediately to 2,100 calories and she was already leaner. Wow. It's, it's impressive. Wow. This is, yeah. Huh? So there you go. You, she's eating more food Mm -hmm. and she's more lean. Mm -hmm. And this is because the body is healthier. It's, it's, you're, you're hitting it at a level where you're not at a deficit. Mm -hmm. You're not at like this massive deficit. So if it's like a thousand calorie deficit, you, Okay, let me back up. The whole thought process of calories in versus calories out. Like if you eat less than you burn, then you're going to lose weight. That's mm-hmm. the thought process. And that's true to a point. So at some point, it's like, all right, well, the body is going to adapt. It's going to drop that level down. So all of a sudden, you're eating too much for that level. Mm-hmm. And you start to store. I so, see. Um, yes. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yes. Um, so, you know, with with someone like Brooke that, you know, they're 25, both of them are 25. Um, 
my metabolism didn't work the way theirs works mm-hmm. ever. So uh, I, I don't personally understand it, but understanding the science of it, yeah, it's, I mean, eventually it'll catch up. Yeah. Um, let's talk about carbs for a little bit yeah. because I was, I, I don't know, I could be wrong. I mean, you, you would actually know much better than I, but in some ways I almost feel like carbs were having a little bit of a, of a renewal or a little bit of a renaissance, like renaissance mm-hmm. a little bit. Is this accurate? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't have any problem with carbs. I think people need carbs. I think people need the right carbs. You know, I think they need them at the right times of day to utilize those carbs. Mm-hmm. So like, I don't pull those things away from my clients. Like if you're, if you have anyone, if you're working with someone that removes a whole food group, then you're in the wrong place mm. because it's not sustainable. Sustainability is what the whole goal should be. We should be able to add calories to a point of maintenance. You know, when you hit your point where you're like, I feel like I look good. This is what I want to look like. This is what I want to feel. Then we, we bump your calories up just a little bit, keep you out of maintenance, mm-hmm. you know, and then you can hang out there mm. and the leaner you are, the more fun you can have. I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. Like I have some lean clients that they don't, they like to go out on the weekend. They like to have a good time and then they get back to it during the week. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yep. Um, the, so I feel like for, is this where it depends on the person? Because I feel like for me, I mean, I'm seeing some of the things about carbs. I want to say Brooke Wells mentioned it when she was talking about her caloric intake. Maybe, maybe not. There was like two or three places where these are legit people. I, I don't even remember who they were, but they were, they were talking about carbs in sort of a positive light. Yeah. And I'm sure they weren't talking about carbs from bad sources, yeah. but good carbs. But And so I'm open to that. I, I just feel like from knowing my body and everything, my body doesn't do great on a bunch of carbs. Yeah, um, it, I think I do feel much better on more fat and mm-hmm. protein and, I mean, still carbs. But Well, I mean, 75% of the population burns carbs as their primary source of energy. So, you know, there's a small percentage that doesn't, that mm-hmm. burns fats. Um, and I'm part of that. Um, sounds like you might be part of that. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean we don't eat carbs. It just means we don't eat an abundance. Like I went through a whole, I, I like to go through eight weeks on my own, like all the fads that are out there. So I went through eight, eight weeks of keto turned into two years of keto. Um, oh, wow. And it just worked for me. Mm-hmm. Like it was probably my, it was 2018, 2019. It was like my best CrossFit years. Um, I mean, I felt great. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just not sustainable long term. Like I'm low carb, but I'm not keto anymore. Um, but I'll go through. I went through eight weeks of eating 400 uh, grams of carbs a day, and I just I, I was like up to 217. I didn't look the same. I'm mm-hmm. like a 205 to 208. Mm. Um, and it was just it, I, you learn a lot about yourself when you run through all this stuff. Like mm-hmm. I've run through everything that's out there except for the raw food diet. I did that for three days and it was awful. Eat only raw food? Yeah, I couldn't do it. But what what even could you eat though? It's just a bunch of like uncooked vegetables. And oh. Yeah, it's... It, oh, it, it was not, so it's basically it was, like vegan... Yeah, it was not tasty. Or, oh, wow, yeah. Have you ever done the carnivore diet, meat diet? Um, I mean, keto is kind of like that. Yeah. So, uh, sort of. Okay. Um, but I, I know there's a couple people that I follow that... that tout that as mm-hmm. like the way to heal the body mm-hmm. really it's just low carbs low inflammation diet mm-hmm. so like kind of like a almost like a mediterranean style yes yeah. so when i did 
I was looking back over my journal yesterday in preparation for this podcast, and I remember where I was sitting. It was April the 7th, 2020. I had just eaten something, and I felt sick. I would I would eat, and then 15 to 20 minutes after I'd eat, I would just feel sick. Yeah. And this happened on April the 7th, and I was like, dude, I'm, I'm over this. I'm done with this. Mm-hmm. And I, I tried carnivore for one week a year before that. And so I went carnivore and then just stuck with it for actually for most of the last summer. Yeah. Felt so good. And I'm not doing it now. Now I'm actually at the place where I can pretty much eat what's in front of me and I don't feel sick. Yeah. But I do feel like it, since some, I, I kind of do feel like it healed my gut a little bit. So I don't know what's behind that. Maybe it's the low inflammation stuff that you're talking about. It's a about. lot of low inflammation. It's the good bacteria that you're getting in there. It's digesting that meat. Uh, you seem to probably digest meat well, which is good. Some yeah. people don't. Okay. Um, so the carnivore diet wouldn't work for some people. Makes sense. Um, but I mean, I, I, the gut biome is it, it, a lot of people have called it the second brain. Mm-hmm. So it, it'll it tell you exactly what uh, you need to know. That's you'll why feel. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, your body will tell you what's going on if you want to listen. Mm-hmm. And so that was meat and um, and dairy. Mm-hmm. And so I had yogurt and eggs mm-hmm. and cheese and meat. And mm-hmm. so, you know, snack was bacon and cheese and yogurt. Uh, Evan taught me something that I still use. It's just one of the best snacks ever, bro. Ground beef mm-hmm. mixed with uh, Faye yogurt with okay. hot sauce. That's not something Dude, I, I would probably try think it, of. man. Yeah. It is so good. It's I don't know, man. <laughs> it it's good. actually it doesn't sound good, but it's it's super tasty. So I would have that as a snack, and man, I just felt really good. Um, okay, carbs. Back yeah. to that. So mm-hmm. carbs, basically, it. What would you? It just out of the gate, just kind of lump is like, man, let's not be eating too much of that when it comes to carbs. And what would be some that you would say? Let's let's try to move towards some of this. Like stay away from. Yeah, carbs you'd stay away from, and carbs you'd want people I mean, have it, people move towards. It really depends, uh, like person to person. Okay. Some, like I said, some people handle gluten, some people don't handle gluten. You know what we what we put in there essentially is. Uh, I try to if someone's looking to lose weight, I will carb cycle them through the day. So we'll have everything at breakfast. So you have your fast burning, your slow burning, your fibrous carbs at breakfast. Mm-hmm. And then at lunch, we'll remove the fast burning carbs. So the, the insulin spike, we'll, we'll remove that. So you take out the fast burning carbs, you have your slow burning carbs and your fibrous carbs. And if they're really trying to cut back on weight, um, I'm still going to give them enough calories, but I'll pull the slow burning carb out and give them double vegetable at dinner. So mm-hmm. it's just kind of a cycle through the day to allow for the body to process those those carbohydrates and you know utilize them rather than having them just sit there and then be processed mm-hmm. improperly. I see. When you're talking with clients, how do you know whether they would work better on kind of a high fat diet, lower carb, or vice versa? I ask the question. You know, okay. how do you feel after you eat carbs? Oh, yeah. Um, how do you feel after you eat fast? Do you feel sluggish? Do you feel energized? What, and a lot of that's going to factor in because I base everything off their schedule because I found if they change, if I change their food and their schedule, it's, it's a shit show. Mm-hmm. It's a disaster. Um, but then, so I stick to their schedule and I try to fill in the gaps. So if they're like, yeah, I had a salad with grilled chicken and no dressing. I'm like, that's, so you had, you had a, like a, bunch of grass and some meat. <laughs> like you need something uh, you need to balance that so I'll, yeah. I'll put together a balance for them rather than being like 
oh, well, yeah, you can just keep eating that because that's clearly working. Mm-hmm. You know, it's clearly not. Mm-hmm. If, they're, if they're sitting across from me, what they're doing is not working. And I have to tell them that. Okay. I'm sure. like, they're like, well, I normally do this. I'm like, you're here because you normally do that. Mm-hmm. Not like that didn't reach your goals. So we got to find a way to do it. You know, whatever that looks like. And it's different. Like I said, and I can't stress it enough. Every person is unique in that mm-hmm. manner that they're going to handle food differently. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I, um, since last fall, I feel like with just eating more, whatever is put in front of me and mm-hmm. it's and my wife cooks extremely healthy, so that's really good. But I feel like the, so far this spring, I'm, I'm bulking a little bit more than I was last summer, which I like. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and that, that would stand to reason, right? If you're going to eat only meat, you may not bulk as much or wouldn't there be a science behind that? I mean, it, it's going to come down to calories. Okay. You know, whether you're putting on size, a muscle or whatever, you're going to have to be fueled properly to do so. Okay. So if that's what's happening, then you're probably eating a caloric level that's at or just slightly above where mm. you probably need to be mm-hmm. or where you where your metabolism is, Yep. which is fine, mm-hmm. you know. If that's the goal, then that's what you're looking for. How would you find out what your metabolism is? Like, how would you find out how many calories you're kind of burning a day so that you know whether you want to eat more? Or- well, there's your resting metabolic rate, which is what your body burns essentially if you laid in bed all day mm. and did nothing. So that's one one number. Then you have your non-exercise activity or something. It's neat. It's called neat. Mm. Um and then you factor in your exercise, your TDE, and that all those numbers together will mm. give you... No one wants to do the math. Sure. So that's why I have a job. But so there is a math behind there it. There is math. You can do the math and you it can is, say, this is what you're burning on a 24-hour mm-hmm. cycle. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I mean, like I said, we were talking about the WHOOP. Um, it'll give me a calorie level. I don't trust it. Like last yesterday, I was at 4,000. I don't know what I'm at right now. 4,000 plus calories burned. Um, oh, okay. And then, like, right now I'm at... How does it know that? Uh, Your heart doesn't. rate? Okay. Yeah, <laughs> heart rate. I mean, 2,400 right now, and I've worked For the out day. twice. Yeah. So it's just... It, I, okay. I feel like sometimes it's guessing. Okay. Yeah. Because if you worked out twice a day, you probably burn more than 2,400 calories. Yeah. Though, right? I don't really think this factors in... So this doesn't factor in body fat percentage. So the leaner you are, the more calories you're going to burn. So when you have a lower body fat percentage, you should, you know, be burning more calories than mm-hmm. someone who has a much higher body fat percentage. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, it doesn't factor that in. One of the things that that documentary was saying, fat fiction that I was watching last night was that it had to do with diabetes and insulin. And when you eat carbs mm-hmm. all the time, you eat carbs and then it kind of burns up the carbs mm-hmm. and then you get hungry and you have this drop in blood sugar. Mm-hmm. And so then you eat more carbs and your blood sugar spikes. It burns it up and you have this drop. Mm-hmm. And that can actually like, there was one guy who, who was um, a doctor and in his 11 years of practice, he had never once had anyone that came in and saw his practice that was able to get off of insulin. And in the first... He's he's never had someone get off. Let me ch- let me just pull this up. That's not a good doctor. Yeah, a doctor. Had, this guy had never gotten any of his patients off of insulin when following the government guidelines. Mm. 
And in, but in the first five months of prescribing a low-carb, high-fat diet, he had 11 patients come off of insulin altogether, which speaks to basically what's happening. They were saying this in the documentary. When you have this high-fat, low-carb, it basically kind of like unlocks these cells and the fat can kind of basically get out and burn properly. Otherwise, it's like locked in. But, but the whole point was when you eat carbs, blood sugar mm-hmm. spike, then drop. Spike, drop, spike, drop, spike, drop. And people would do this all day long. And I know what that feels like. Because, I mean, when I was on the meat diet, man, the one thing I noticed is a steady, consistent energy flow all day. It's Mm -hmm. the single most thing I like the best, aside from just feeling well. And when I would, if I were to have a pizza at lunch, which I never do this, I mean, I'll have pizza occasionally, but it's almost never for lunch. I'll get so tired at 2 p.m. I'll just feel like this sluggish, like this drop in energy. That's totally from the carbs burning off. So, but we have a 10-year-old in the house who is uh, sometimes a little edgy. And I mean, he's a great kid, but he's pre-teening pretty hard. Mm -hmm. And when I was watching this documentary, I was thinking about how often, because he eats a ton. He's coming in the fridge for some bread and some peanut butter. And then he's coming in later for some more bread and like the dude's eating a lot of carbs and maybe this is like spiking his blood sugar and maybe that's behind some of the temperament problems if he's having the spike that he's dealing with blood sugar has a direct impact on hormones and output so like that's why my goal with working with people is to balance out their blood sugar keep that steady all day um, and that is with carbs. So the funny thing about science and, and food is that it's, it's pretty much undefeated, undefeated, you know? So what you do is you take like a fast burning carbohydrate or a slow burning carbohydrate and couple it with eight to 16 grams of fat. And that dulls that insulin effect. So instead of spiking straight up and down, oh. it's going longer uh-huh. up and down. So okay. it's not, it's going to be more consistent energy at that point. So anytime I have a client that is like, hey, I love, I love fruit. I need fruit. I'm like, all right, well, that's fine. Just need to couple it with a fat to keep your blood sugar steady. Mm. And that'll delay the absorption into the bloodstream a little bit. Um, okay. Yeah. Then how did you ever hear of uh, Jesse Itzler who kind of made like Fruit Till Noon popular? Mm-mm. He, um, he is uh, Sarah, I think his name, I think her name was Sarah Blakely, the founder of Spanx. He is her husband, and he did. He had an audio book. It's actually really great. Now, I can't remember what it was called. This was a few years ago it came out. Um, he actually had David Goggins living with him for like several months. Anyhow, he kind of made... Must have been crazy. He, yeah, so <laughs> crazy. But he was like a runner, and he kind of made the whole thing of like eating fruit till noon mm-hmm. semi-popular. I remember doing it for a stretch and hearing about it. This was like in 2015 or 16. Um but what's happening if someone's just eating fruit till noon? I mean, they're spiking their... It's the same thought process. Yeah, you're going to spike your insulin, and then you're going to drop your insulin. I mean, it's just it's going to constantly go up and down if you're not coupling it with the right things. Okay, which could have some negative yeah. impacts for yeah. sure, right? Hormonal impacts. I mean, it could have mood impacts. Hmm. People get hangry. I mean, if you're only eating fruit, then there's some people that don't really react well to being hungry. Okay. So I so I didn't wasn't aware there was a tie with the hormones and blood sugar. Mm-hmm. So blood sugar levels mm-hmm. levels or the spiking the steadiness t- of it. Not oh. not necessarily where your metabolism is or where that level is as long as it's steady. Like it, if you're at a balance, your body is going to be in a much better place than not at a balance. 
because it's constantly looking to to find homeostasis. Mm-hmm. So if you're constantly at eighty five percent or seventy five percent by going up and down, you're putting your your body and your hormone levels at risk. Wow, and so which is where fasting comes in really well. Okay, yeah, interesting. Okay, so then what do what do the hormones drive? If blood sugar is affecting the hormones, what are the hormones driving? Mood, weight gain. Um, I mean, disease, like all mm. that stuff. I mean, that's where that, so the hormones get out of control and all of a sudden you have, you know, heart disease or, you know, you have um, cortisol levels are way through the roof and your blood pressure's up and you have to go on blood pressure meds. Like I've had a lot of clients come off, uh, type two um, diabetics come off the majority of their insulin. I've had blood pressure meds taken down um, and that's just by balancing food. It's not by, there's no, there's no miracle. Like if people wanted to do this research, they could do my job. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just a matter of making sure that I do everything for the individual mm-hmm. properly. Mm-hmm. Man, well, what's so crazy about that? If there's a correlation from blood sugar to hormones to mood, heart disease, um, I mean, vitamin C is something that people should be we should have enough of vitamin C right now with COVID flying around. It's impacting people that don't have enough of D, vitamin C. D, or calcium. D, I'm sorry. That's what I meant yeah, to say. D and calcium. Yes. Calcium helps the absorption of D. Yes. Um, and, and D is basically, it's more of a hormone affecting things, well, yeah, my understanding. It's, it's from the sun. So essentially it's sunlight. And that's, your body converts that to vitamin D. Which so, I'm never outside. So I probably have the lowest vitamin D ever. Do you supplement with vitamin D? I do. Okay. I do too. I have since before COVID, and then when I heard that, yeah, you know, just do a little bit more. Um, man, that's a that's interesting correlation there because then you could. So I know for sure mm-hmm. that vitamin D has this correlation with COVID because it is more of a hormone than 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 vitamin. And so, if vitamin D has this impact on hormones, which has a very clear and shown effect with COVID. Mm-hmm. You could tie, well, correct me if I'm wrong, but do you think you could tie someone's impact from COVID then back to eating and carbs? If carbs, eating, carbs, Poor blood sugar, habits. hormones, yeah, could tie into COVID. Well, because it's all it's all into that falls into that comorbidities, you know, they were talking about. So the people that are more at risk, you know, your type two diabetes, your heart disease, your people with high blood pressure, your older generation of of folks, the people that are not healthy. Like you were talking about that, the, the, the pyramid Mm -hmm. and, and how government is pushing that as they're making us weaker. Yeah. They are systematically taking away our choice and putting this in front of us to, or at least seeming like they're taking away our choices Mm -hmm. and, and they're not giving us the proper information to fix it. Mm -hmm. Um, they're making us compliant. Yes. And that's a fact because we're seeing now some of this information finally now about, I mean, well, there's just on so many levels that we're starting to see some of the actual science behind it, Mm -hmm. which is making not much sense with what we were hearing. No, Um, And even back to the food pyramid, the American Heart Association. Oh, this was another thing that was on that documentary last night was, You'd see the freaking American Heart Association little check mark, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? I mean, even today, you can walk a cereal aisle. Cheerios. 
stinking Cheerios, American Heart. But it's not doesn't just stop on Cheerios, dude. It's on junk food yeah. that has the American Heart Association check mark. All that is is basically it's saying, well, this is low fat. Yeah. Have all the sugar in the world. It's the worst trade off you're ever going to get. Now, and, and what's weird about that is. You know, the American Heart Association was just this little basically nonprofit in America that was just doing its thing. Mm-hmm. It didn't gain traction until guess who? Johnson and Johnson gave it a huge donation and then it became this big thing and now everyone wants to have the American Heart Association. you feel like you're gonna be heart healthy if you eating something with that hat that has that check mark on Normally, it. Normally if you follow the money, you you'll find the reason why something exactly. is the way it is. So yep. like looking at the low carb or low fat. They were trying to control the sugar, essentially, like Coca-Cola, yes. big sodas, things like that. They were trying to control where we put our interest. Yes. Um, and then, you know, I mean, but we should be supporting dairy farmers and mm-hmm. the people who make a living doing this, not the people who sit at the top of a building and, and you know, create poison. Yes, 100%, because that's what a lot of it is, too. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, so my wife used to work in in addiction. Um, She's not an addict. She was what they call a normie. Um, But she was, um, she worked in it on a daily basis. Uh, She worked for Nashville Recovery Center. And the same reactions that people had to drugs, they have to sugar. Hmm. Like withdrawal, um, shakes, headaches. All that stuff. It's yes. it is has a it's so similar, um, and people would be like, "Oh well, you know, sugar's not the same as a recreational drug or whatever." It, it has been a recreational drug for the past, you know, 50, 60, yes. 70 years. Yep. So how is it different? It's not. Yep. It's not. People become addicted to it. Yes, hundred percent, dude. And sugar is way more deadly than. It kills more people in this country than all illicit drugs combined. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, mean, I don't understand why Tennessee hasn't passed the marijuana um, law yet because that is some, the, the science behind that stuff is fantastic, too. I know we're getting into weird things now. Yeah, I'm like, good with weird things. Like, man, I, the I'm, science behind cannabis? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and takes away inflammation. Um, prior to my wife working in recovery, she, she had the traumatic brain injury. And the inflammation that, so, and I'm a proponent of THC gummies and things mm-hmm. like that, that, that helped her headaches. Like really, I have like, it's a fact. She felt better when she took it. I'm not shocked at all. No, by the way, we, well, and we should talk about cannabis. It's 420. Yeah. We only get one of these a year, right? I'm a, I'm a huge fan. <laughs> Are so you really? I, I, like, I don't, I don't smoke it or anything like that. Okay. Uh, obviously I don't want to affect my lungs or you yep. know, anything like that. Do you that, stick with edibles then? Um, I, I am a fan of, of gummies. So I, I okay. try to stay away from baked goods cause I'm not a big sugar person. Okay. Um, but gummies like little gelatin. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, I read, there's a book over here that you might be interested in reading or listening to the audio version. If there is one called the cannabis manifesto, mm-hmm. really great book. Yeah. The, the best book I've read on the subject. It was written by Steve D'Angelo, who was early on with legalization mm-hmm. in California mm-hmm. And the single best takeaway I got from that book was he basically refuses the categories of medicinal and recreational mm-hmm. and says the category should be um, basically proper use and misuse. Agreed. And I fully agree with that. Yeah. It makes total sense. Um, I mean, dude, I don't, I'd be curious to hear what your thoughts are around its benefits and so forth. I think it's, 
I think it's shocking that the American people haven't risen up and taken back our government for what for this reason among with many others. To to think that you can have this plant that has been grown for thousands and thousands and thousands of years and is no one has ever died from using it. Mm-hmm. And there's so many medical benefits from it and it can alleviate human suffering and I'm, it's not the magic plant no, nothing no. really is magic but there is a lot of actual benefits from it mm-hmm. physical mental i mean we could go down the list and to say that that's going to be illegal because back in the day um black people were mixing with white people in jazz bars and smoking together and that was part of the motivation behind making this thing illegal is absurd it's just absurd i'm surprised that hasn't come up as as like a Oh, well, this should be legal now because we're not trying to segregate people anymore. Yeah, that's you know? a good point. It I mean, absolutely, yeah, for maybe, sure. Maybe, maybe people will do that now. I don't yeah, know. I, I think, I think it's absurd. I think there's a lot of false information out there. I yeah. think a lot of it's going away. Where do you see the benefits though with cannabis? Um, I mean, muscle aches, pains, uh, inflammation in general. Uh, I mean, I eat a pretty low inflammatory diet, but you know, I, I'm still working out an hour to two hours a day and mm-hmm. a lot of squatting, like my knees, my shoulders, uh, played college football. So everything hurts from mm-hmm. then, you know, cause we didn't know what we were doing back then. Mm-hmm. And that was only in the two thousands. Yeah. Know? So, yeah. But I mean, I, better sleep, mm-hmm. uh, depending on if you're going to do an indica or sediva, you know, mm-hmm. whatever works best for you. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think the benefits far outweigh any negative. Uh, and some people would say, oh, well, it's a plant, so is cocaine. But it's a little different. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot different. I don't know a ton about cocaine, but it's you're doing different things with it. There's different effects on the body. Well, you don't cut marijuana yeah. with chlorine and all the stuff that they cut it yeah, with. Yeah, that's for starters, yeah. Smoke a tr- you smoke a little flower above. Yes, I mean, or whatever. So, how how bad do you think smoking cannabis is for your lungs? I mean, it's not not probably not as bad as nicotine, mm-hmm. um, and definitely not as bad as vaping, because like that some toxic metals are getting right <laughs> absorbed into your lungs, and yeah, that's what they. I mean, that's what the issue with COVID is, and putting people on ventilators is they're worried about metal settling mm-hmm. in the lungs. That's what vapes do. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Good point. Do you um, do do you use uh, do you use it every day? Then no. Okay. Just when I feel like I need it, like oh, if okay. I really need to get some sleep, or if I really am feeling beat up. Yeah. Um, you know, I I've been pretty lucky. I feel really healthy right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't use it all the time. Mm-hmm. But it's it's one of those things where if it's if it's going to benefit me and I mean, it's not going to hurt me in any manner. Yep. I, I mean, I'll, I'll look into it and I'll, yeah. I'll do what I need to do. Yeah. I, I'm still looking for the reports or the data or the science or whatever science is kind of an overused word now, <laughs> but, but, um, but behind some be, behind the damage that it does do mm-hmm. supposedly or could do or might do, or I don't know. I'll tell you this though. I have a friend who lives right over here. Um, 75 76 years old mm-hmm. um vietnam war vet mm-hmm. and the nicest guy and he smokes all day and he has ever since he was 15 18 mm-hmm. um 
and what well, was whenever he came back from the war, which he was super young when he went into the war, and he was dealing with a lot of PTSD. Mm-hmm. And that dude, I mean, this is you know, call it twenty, and now he's seventy five. Fifty five years he's been doing this, and it's not not like once a day in the evening. This yeah. is an all day. Okay, yeah. dude, this dude is sharp. He is articulate. Mm-hmm. He, I mean, he's conversant. I mean. Either he's got like some sort of different weird thing going on where that doesn't affect him, or maybe it's not so bad after all. Well, there, I mean, it, a lot of that. Um, it's just not. It's not so bad, you know. And, and the the type of strain that you use, like sativa, is more of a heady. So you're actually going to be a, like aware and mm-hmm. good. You're not going to pass out on the couch or anything like that. You're you're going to be able to do what you do, just a little more clarity, mm-hmm. a little more um, calm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Indica is the one that puts you to sleep. I've I've also noticed a theme with people that have dealt with health issues mm-hmm. that was directly helped by cannabis, mm-hmm. and and that changing entirely their perception yeah. of it. Um, and unfortunately, it's still. I mean, I don't. I know of one case where um, their kid had awful, awful seizures, dude. Mm-hmm. And I can't imagine. Like, I cannot imagine seeing my four-year-old son having a seizure on the bathroom floor. Like, I can't. The trauma that must put you through as a parent and that kid, I mean, it's awful, yeah. awful. Multiple, multiple things. Nothing helped. Cannabis, done. Hasn't yeah. had a seizure since. That's awesome. You know what? Is it legal? No. It's not legal in the state. There's a freaking kid on the floor having a seizure, and you can't technically legally give that poor kid cannabis to help with seizure. Now explain that. It makes zero sense, it dude. It, it makes it no sense. It doesn't make any sense. And honestly, I was a, I was against using any sort of uh, illicit drug, I guess you could say, uh, until my wife had her accident, and I saw there you go. the benefit of her head feeling better. Um, you know, uh, see, like, I don't know how people could feel comfortable seeing a seizure and not and knowing that there's a way to fix it. Mm-hmm. And that's illegal. Exactly. Like that, that is, um, heartbreaking. It is heartbreaking. Especially as a parent. Like, I mean, I saw my wife have one and it was the worst day of my life. Ugh. So, you know, I couldn't imagine some, my child doing it all the time. Exactly. Oh, I mean, it's, it is, it's, 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 it's unbelievable. I know there is, um, there is, I, don't, I can't say like a trend or this is mm-hmm. a common thing, but I know multiple NFX NFL players are now yeah. getting involved in the cannabis industry in legal states, Colorado yeah. or wherever. Because I love, they, I love traveling to Colorado. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, they've experienced the benefits. I think it's particularly something about the NFL with the head stuff and the cannabis helping that. It's, it's the inflammation. It, is that what it is? The inflammation that it takes okay. down from, and, and those guys. You got to figure if you have a long, moderate to long career, mm-hmm. that means you've played four years in high school, four years in college, and then Ooh, X amount point. of time in the NFL. All they've done is have small car crashes on a daily basis, you know. Mm-hmm. And I played through college, and I mean, I had concussions throughout college, and they, we didn't know what we were doing back then, so I just went right back in the game. Yeah, you know, and wow. that's a warrior. Like I won't even watch that movie, Concussion. Mm. Um, is now my wife had that, so it's like, mm-hmm. good lord! Like I hope that I don't have CTE at all. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know the inflammation and, and what the what the the cannabis or um, 
the marijuana does is it just it, it alleviates some of that. It's like mm-hmm. a natural occurring anti-inflammatory. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, there's other things you can take, you know, uh, a variety of, of things that will allow for less in, in, inflama- inflammation. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the, in terms of one thing, I mean, that's highly beneficial and has minimal downside. Yeah, it, that's that's what that is. There's there's a lot of misunderstanding about it. I had a guy in this office about a year ago and I mean, I love this dude so much, but he uh, he was just like, uh, there's no proven medical benefits to cannabis. But um, but there is to there is to alcohol. I was like, dude, you're working on information that's like 20 years old, bro. Like. There's medical benefits to alcohol. Well, dude, back in the Is back in the days of after the prohibition or whatever it was, yeah, they were coming out and saying there's some medical benefits to alcohol. You know who probably was behind that? The lobbyists. You know, I, I mean, would, it's, I mean, how how come gyms closed, but liquor stores and strip clubs stayed open? Yeah, like did strip club yes. clubs stay? No, they did yes. not. They did. And ask the crazy horse down here by what? Forte. Yeah. Like those were like those were places that you could still go during COVID. I mean, what's dirtier than a strip club? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> There's not much. Like my gym is cleaner than. Those oh places. my gosh! Yeah, so, for sure. You know, I mean, uh, those are the things that stayed open. You know, you also huh. had obviously. I want restaurants to thrive and grow, but like the use of DoorDash and. Um, Grubhub and all those mm-hmm. things went way up. So people are just sitting in their homes, yep. not being active, eating food that is processed. Yes. While drinking alcohol and, and Netflixing. Oh yeah. All day. What could go wrong? Yeah. This is it's getting it less vitamin like, D cause they're yeah. inside. It sounds like a culling of the herd, honestly. I mean, do you think there's any sort of weird thing going on with this? I mean, conspiracy theorists would say yes. Uh, I have a buddy that's like, he's a great CrossFitter. He's gone to the games a couple of times. He's fantastic. And he's also one of the most intellectual people that I've ever been around. And he will go down these rabbit holes where I'm just like, what are you talking about? But he he believes that there's a lot going on behind the scenes. Does he think, does he think it's culling of the herd before China takes over or... <laughs> I mean, you think about it, the the whole strongest survive. Yeah. And I don't want to look at it that way because I I value life. Yeah. Like I really do. And I feel like if people valued their lives more, this wouldn't even be an issue. Mm -hmm. But, you know, everyone's worried about, you know, making a dollar rather than taking care of themselves. Yep. So. Yep. I agree with that. Yeah. And that's where I think it's hard for me to understand the thought process where someone is maybe has a lack of understanding if they ask me if I've gotten the vaccine yet mm-hmm. and they're thinking, well, man, I don't care about other people. Dude, you know how much of my life I'm paying attention to being healthy yeah. so that I'm not getting diseases and passing that along to other people. Mm-hmm. Like COVID-19 is just a thing that's on the table right now. It's a hot, flashy topic. Mm-hmm. That's what we happen to ha- be, be all talking about. It's not going away. It's always going to be here. Before COVID-19, there was other things. And so, um, by the way, if you want to get the vaccine, I'm totally cool with it. Go ahead. Yeah. That's, that's totally fine. I have zero problem with that. I'm not an anti-vaxxer. And, and I don't even want to consider myself like a conspiracy person. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, no, for me, the health for myself and for other people 
it extends much beyond just whether I'm going to go get a shot or not. Yeah. It's a lifestyle. hundred percent. Um, I signed up to go get it and then I, I bailed not because I was like, I just, I, I already had it. I already had COVID and I heard it's worse when mm-hmm. you get the shot. Yeah. Um, so I'm like, ah, do I really, I don't really need it. My wife hasn't had it. When I had it, I was quarantined to a room. Um, and since I couldn't smell, I had the two bulldogs. Okay. And they stink. <laughs> but I couldn't smell them. So wow. it, it worked out really well. But, um, yeah. you know, I and she's pregnant right now. And they, they advise against her getting it. For Do that they reason. really? Well, oh, okay. Her doctor did. The government may not because they're doing trials on pregnant people. How are you going to sign up? Listen, <laughs> how are you going to sign up for a trial that could affect your child that's in womb? Dude, people for do it. $1,000. People do it, dude. That's insane. I agree. Again, I value life. Yeah, like, I, 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 I agree. I, it's crazy to me. It's, dude, we, we know, I know someone who signed up for 200 bucks to, and they didn't have a kid in their belly, but, um, but you're going to do a trial on your body for 200 bucks. Um, I'll pass on that. <laughs> I'll give you 200 bucks to not do that. Yeah, seriously. You know what I mean? I, I will happily pay that. Yeah, it, and, it's confusing. And yeah, on the vaccine front, look, it's possible that what we're witnessing is a total, um, a total like win for science and the medical community. Like to come up with something this quick and to be this effective, it could be that, that we're going to look back on that. History is going to look back on this, and this is just going to be like a total win for technology. I suspect that's probably the case, um, the but science, I wouldn't, I wouldn't bet my life on it. The science behind the actual vaccine. And the RNA and how they're they're building it. I've, we have scientists that go to our gym that work at Vanderbilt, and they were talking about it. And they're like, "This is some of the 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 most um, I don't know cutting edge mm-hmm. exactly um, yeah. stuff that that that's ever been done at Vanderbilt." I yep. mean, it's like it's it's a big deal. Yes, it's still not tested. <laughs> right, that's my only thing with yeah. it. And I yeah. trust the science behind, and I trust those people, but. I, I got to put it in my body. I mean, yeah, I know. I don't know. I, I'm good. I, yeah, I'm good. I already, I already had it. I'm good. Yeah. Um, what would you say is the most common misperception that you're experiencing that people have about food? Uh, it's the eat, eat less to, to reach your goal. If you, if you want to lose weight, eat less. Hmm. And then, you know, you're eating so little and you're not accommodating what your output is. Um, the majority of people that I see, I have to give them more food. And they're like, I don't, I can't eat all this. I'm like, you need to. Hmm. I was like, don't stuff yourself. Eat till you're full. Don't eat till you're stuffed. Satiation is, is something that is lost with our meal sizes and how we do things. Like if you go to a restaurant, I mean, you're getting a plate full of food and you're expected. And I was raised eat eat everything on on the plate. Yeah, me too. That's why I was 200 pounds in sixth grade. (laughs) I mean, I'm, I'm the same weight now as I was in sixth grade because that's the thought process was like, all right, your parents worked really hard to get this food on the table. You eat it. And that's stuck with a lot of people. Mm-hmm. But I mean, the amount of the size of some of those, those meals that people are eating out is just, it's like, you're looking at like 2000, that's a daily caloric intake in one meal. Wow. For some people. I wow. Mean, it's crazy. Yeah. Uh, I would say, yeah, the most common misconception about food is that, you know, you, you can't eat the things you want and reach your goals. Mm. Now, if you want 
ice cream and cookies, that's going to be a little more difficult. But, mm -hmm. you know, if you want to have some structure, then you can eat the things you want and have your goal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 That is, that is actually a misconception that I would have had too. I think well, if the, you want to lose weight, you got to eat less. And, and social media has done nothing to help people's, uh, the way they look at their bodies, the way they look at food. Cause you have people eating a bunch of hot garbage that have really good genetics. Mm. They look good. They're ripped. They, all this stuff, mm -hmm. but they're eating crap yeah. and it's going to catch up eventually now down the road. I mean, it may not even be outside. It may be on the inside yep. that they're have visceral fat, you know, fat around the organs. Mm -hmm. Um, and that could lead to heart disease and kidney failure and things like that. But you know, no one's gonna, no one's looking at that. Yeah. They have really nice abs and I want to eat like them. Uh huh. You know, yeah. There's just some gifted freaking humans out there. There really are. Yes. Like I look at Street, Street Horner. Yes. Street has his muscles are eating his skin. He is so lean. What is <laughs> like, going on with him? Why is he so lean? He 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 really does have an incredible upper body. At least he's gifted. I is mean, that what it is? Yeah. He's he's. I mean, there he's again. He's the one percent. He's only like twenty four, um, and he can he can do those things. Like he, I don't I don't know what he eats mm -hmm. personally. Um, but I mean, he's, he's a, uh, he's a one percenter. Mm -hmm. Like people don't look like that. Yeah. 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 Like, he, he does. He has a really great core. God, he's ripped. He really is. <laughs> he, really is. he is super ripped. Yeah. Um, well, what else, Jamie? <laughs> Anything I mean, else touched, you want to, we touched on a lot of stuff. We did touch on a lot yeah. of stuff. <laughs> uh, a little tan, some tangents here and there. Absolutely. Uh, Was there anything else you wanted to touch on while you're here? Um, I mean, I think we hit it all. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I feel really good about I've it. I've really enjoyed this, man. It's so great to meet you, and I appreciate your time you very much. The last question for you, we're kind of dabbling with this, but it's the idea of, like, is there a principle or a practice or a pleasure that you would like to leave maybe in your life that you found helpful or beneficial or whatever? Principle, practice, or pleasure you would like to... Share with the listeners. Most likely principle, um, like perspective. Uh, so when I look at life, I look at the things that happen to people, like the things that have happened in the last six years of my life. And there's a lot of different ways you can perceive that. Um, I could always be the victim and say, why me? Why is this happening? Or I could be like, all right, well, there has to be a reason why I was home when this happened. There has to be a reason why I was working with a, a, a trauma nurse when my wife had her seizure, like in the, in home. Like there's there's a different way to look at everything, you know. And if you're constantly thinking that you're the victim of something, you're never going to see the beauty of what life has for you, you know. If you're constantly complaining about something, so I would say that the main thing I would I would leave you with is uh, we can't control what everyone else does, but we can control how we react to it. Mm -hmm. So that's how I live my life at this point. I, I just move on from the things I can't control and yep. you know, the things I can, I, I will hug and love and, and nurture as much as possible. Mm -hmm. Jamie free. Thanks for being on the podcast. I appreciate it. I appreciate it.